Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Brenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. Countdown is on, of course, to Christmas. Mind you, some would say that the countdown started in September. I see Asda have their brand new uh, television advert, which dropped today, as they say. Uh, Seamus sent it to me. If you're a fan of Elf, uh, the, the movie with Will Ferrell, you'd be delighted to hear that it features the movie Elf and it actually uses footage of the movie Elf which they've interspersed into an Asda supermarket I suppose it's a fantastic looking ad in fairness but there's a lot of other things that are Christmassy related that make the papers today particularly here on Side, because Glow is ready to go the Cork Christmas celebration returns on the 25th of November with a free family festive experience in Bishop Lucy Park the big Ferris wheel will be back so that's great news and while there's no official switch on date I am reliably told that the Christmas lights will be switched on sometime in the third week in November. So there's no actual official switching on day or date just yet because they don't want to actually name the day. They'll just do it. They want to name the day according to the Echo or at least you know the Echo are saying that it will be um, sometime uh, in November but it looks like it's going to be, we know, or at least we've been told, the third week of November and the reason they're not picking an actual date is they don't want overcrowding. But interestingly, you know, to meet people coming in for it. Um, but interesting, and I know people have their own opinion on that as to whether crowds should gather or not and when we're going to move on from all that but uh, we're heading into the winter I suppose uh, and the talk of this uh, twindemic. Anyway, they're going to use 75% less energy than the traditional Christmas light bulb. Why? Because they'll be LED. So it's one way of trying to conserve conserve energy and I suppose keep costs down. But it's going to be a very busy period according to uh, City Council and the busiest trading period as we know at this time of the year with the city's retail and hospitality sector um, getting ready for hopefully a bumper Christmas. Um, meanwhile, in other news, the examiner talk about the 24-hour wait to be seen in the A&E as the new norm. And also the Echo are talking about ambulances running late as well, where ambulances are, are waiting an hour and a quarter on average, and sometimes much, much longer uh, before they can um, get their patients out of the ambulance and into the likes of the CUH and then declare themselves ready to accept another call. Now, um, the target is a half an hour turnaround. That's clearly not being met. And while the echo this morning is saying that on average they're looking at uh, an hour and 15 minutes, an awful lot of people contacted this radio program uh, over the last, certainly the last 12 months or maybe even a little bit longer, saying it's much, much longer than that. I've had stories on the air of people in the back of ambulances for numerous hours. Um, and of course, with uh, the, the cost of living and bills and mortgage increases and everything else like that, the mirror says that one in four parents now can't feed their kids. Um, there's a big difference now between can't feed them or can't feed them enough. But either way, they're certainly short. So that's a quarter of families felt that they didn't have enough food to feed their children this shocking report and a new survey from Bernardo's makes the front of the paper and indeed more uh, where they were saying their families literally must choose between uh, f- food and heat, you know, because you can't do both. For those of you then that are struggling with regards to, say, for instance, mortgage repayments or contemplating getting a mortgage, um, you know the Revolut, which is an app, financial app that many people have. And it's, it's a super app. It really and truly is. And it's the way of the future. And I say the banks are kicking themselves that they didn't think of it before Revolut thought of it. But now they're going to become a super app because they're setting their sights now on the mortgage market. So they're going to be offering mortgages within the Revolut app. 
And with everything like to do with Revolut and apps, you'll get an instant response to applications. So that moves it on, isn't it? Quite revolutionary with uh, Revolut, if you pardon the pun, moving into mortgages. And then there's a story that makes this morning's mail that says Thursday is the new Friday. I don't know whether it was me, but I had to really sit down and concentrate on this story to work out what in the name of God are they saying that Thursdays are the new Friday? Because if Thursday is the new Friday, what's going to happen to Friday? What does that become? Does that become the new Saturday? Or do, do, does it get just deleted? It has to do with socialising and where people go and how they move around and socialise. And they say more people are going out on Thursdays as opposed to Fridays. They're also going out earlier. And according to the Mail, more people now want to go out for lunch rather than for dinner. There's no mention of a few pints. It's either lunch or dinner. I suppose a few pints are more popular on a Thursday than a Friday. And I eventually found one of the reasons why, particularly in city pubs, Thursday is the new Friday. Because a lot of people go to work on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, but they work remotely from home on Mondays and Fridays. So they're literally not around in cities on the Friday. So they go out on the Thursday. So I was very relieved to get to the end of that. I don't know whether you agree with it or disagree with it. You might be a publican or a restaurateur. I might have an opinion on that one, particularly uh, as to whether Thursdays are now busier. And also whether more people are opting for uh, lunch rather uh, than dinner. But there is a dinner story, and it's a shocking story that makes the son today a brute of a man. Uh, He tried to choke his girlfriend after she wouldn't eat a dinner which she had cooked He's got jail now for three years, and rightly so, as Stephen Coveney Ryan. This is a story from County Donegal. It was before Letterkenny Court. Um, He turned on his uh, girlfriend, Roisin, a few weeks after she invited him to move in with her when he became homeless. And he threatened to kill her and her family, threatened to bury them in a shallow grave because he just exploded Uh, one day in a fit of rage and they say it had to do with food that he cooked that she wouldn't eat. And then there is the story of another assault. This one in Cork makes the echo today where a man who repeatedly punched a Cork-based Chilean national who was walking home from work Uh, This is one of these random attacks completely. Not that any attack should have a motive behind it, but this was unknown person, totally random, knocking him to the ground in the attack. Apparently, just after it, he went straight to the Garda station and admitted the crime to court. Uh, He was walking towards St. Patrick's Bridge, and this Chilean chap, and the accused followed him, seriously assaulted him, for absolutely no reason. So this man then, the accused man, Derek Mulligan, uh, was charged with assault causing harm and was before the court yesterday. I might come back to that a little later on because the more misfortunate Chilean man suffered, uh, sustained bruising to the back of his head in this unprovoked attack. And it's another reason why people are just so slow and just so on alert when they're in the city, whether by day, but certainly by night. And yesterday's story about insurance companies on air uh, involving AXA and the AA and Blackwater Motors. I aired that really for a lot of different reasons. You know, insurance premiums is one story, but I was more interested in the kindness shown to the Cork listener who contacted me by Blackwater Motors, who then went on to put the caller on the air yesterday when she was telling us the story on their insurance because she couldn't afford the increase in the premium cost when she wanted to get the courtesy car from Blackwater Motors. And that was a wonderful thing for them to do. They went above and beyond. And that's the kind of Cork service and kindness uh, from car companies that you will experience that you'll never really get in an online world. But I mentioned it again this morning because the mail says that insurers are seriously under fire now and whether it's ever going to make a difference, I don't know because they keep increasing premiums. 
even though their profits keep going up and more importantly, or at least equally importantly, while claims have dropped by 44%. Why aren't they passing on more and more insurance reductions? And why, when you get your renewal, is it invariably more? Then you have to call them, go through the rigmarole of a phone call if you can get onto them, and they drop it a little bit. I mean, why don't they just automatically pass on the goodness to the customers that keep them in business and open. And one more act of kindness is a lovely story from County Meath. This big-hearted stranger, uh, Stephen Moran, calls him a legend because he was looking back at CCTV footage. Why? Well, apparently he woke up groaning last Tuesday morning when he and his partner realised they'd forgotten to put a ticket on their car and they were going to get a hefty fine. Um, but when they, when they went out, they found a ticket on the car with the fee paid. Right? The fee paid. So we checked CCT footage to see a stranger paying 150 into a parking meter and placing the ticket on the wipers of his partner's car at half past two in the morning. <laughs> I'd love if you guys had stories like that. I know we deal with this from time to time. Just the random kindness of strangers, please. Text 0868104106. What a wonderful thing to do. And it just made their day. It really did. Papers also this morning talk of uh, the changing face of pennies. And I was reading this during the week where pennies, and this started in the UK, but apparently the same is going to happen in Ireland now. I have to hold my hands up. It's a long time since I was in pennies. I don't know what the story is with the changing rooms there. Are there male? Are there female? Are there unisex? I don't know. But the story goes... Uh, that I read online anyway. It's a story from the Sunday World. said that Pennies is making a return to women-only changing rooms because they were getting complaints about the unisex spaces in the UK over the past few weeks. And it actually went viral on TikTok where a woman said two men tried to walk into her while changing in a Primark store in the UK. And according then to Extra.ie, a similar incident happened in an Irish store, uh, reporting that one employee alleged that a girl came out of the changing room very upset and crying because a guy dropped his phone under the curtain and she thought he was taking photos. Now, he could have genuinely dropped his phone, but she thought it might have been a version of upskirting. So... Penny said, we want our stores to be places where everyone feels safe and welcome. Uh, And we're sorry to hear of these experiences. Stores will maintain unisex changing rooms while also providing a women-only space for customers. And the same change is going to happen to Penny's known as Primark in the UK, but Penny's here. They will have dedicated fitting rooms available to women and then separate spaces for everyone else to use will also be in operation. Um, so that's interesting. I don't know if people have issues with regards to changing rooms or whether you're okay with them being unisex. Not everybody would be, just like not everybody is into uh, unisex toilets, particularly in social settings, big pubs, restaurants and nightclubs. It was a great story then musically. If you looked at people's music patterns and how they download their music and the playlists that they have, let's give an example as being, say, for instance, Spotify. It's a super story in the Times where they looked at all of the different years from 1970 upwards to look at what song from each year, not decade, but actual year, has the most downloads. Um, so they can tell you now the songs that, and some of them are songs that actually they say weren't big hits in the year that they were released, but are hugely popular now. And they talk about 1981, uh, Journeys, Don't Stop Believing. And they claim that it was a flop back in 1981. Well, it wasn't a flop, but it certainly wasn't as big a song 
in 81 as it was when the Sopranos used it, for instance. But it's fantastic. I might post this online if you were to pick your favourite year of music. Like, for instance, if you just had a quick look at the 1970s, for instance, say the summer of 76, the most popular song now from 1976 would be Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac. In fact, they also got the 1977 slot with Dreams. If you jumped into the 80s then, it just took, say, for instance, 1983, the most popular song from 1983 that's being listened to now is the Eurythmics' Sweet Dreams are made of this. Way back to 1970, it's Elton John with your song. I think it's fantastic when you look at it that way. You come up then to say, pick any year. Um, take, for instance, uh, 2009, Party in the USA, Miley Cyrus. Uh, that's where, I suppose, music started to take a bit of a dive. No disrespect to Miley Cyrus fans. Uh, but anyway, it just goes down year by year. And it's good and interesting uh, viewing. New streaming charts. Check it out yourself. You'll probably be able to see it on Spotify. The Neil Prenderville Show. Gold winner for Interactive Speech Program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Courts Red FM. I've done lots of paperwork. I'll come back to calls, but I just want to drill into some topics over the last couple of days. Lovely conversation with Sean in Tenerife. Sean and Sue are out in Tenerife and living there. And he was talking yesterday on air about more people should go there and move there and dip their toe in the water and start making a change. Um, A lovely email came in with an attachment saying, just home after a month in Tenerife. So many places are doing three course meals at fantastic prices. And let me tell you, it's all great food. Drinks are much cheaper. I'm listening here to Sean on the air from Tenerife and he's making great sense, says Eileen. Now, I've been to the different Canary Islands on a few occasions and prices are much cheaper and you can get fierce value, whether you're interested in a few pints or a lunch or a three-course dinner or indeed a glass of wine or whatever the case may be. But Eileen sent me an example of a steakhouse where you can get a three-course special for €7.95. God knows in a lot of places in Ireland, that would be the cost of a starter, right? So a three-course special, seven ninety-five, And that could be anything like a Caesar salad, a mixed salad, deep-fried garlic mushrooms. I'm just mentioning a few. Chicken soup, tomato soup, canarian soup. I'm assuming that's not soup with a canary in it. And then the main course. And look at the choice for seven ninety-five. You're looking at a sirloin steak. I imagine it's not a doonchy little one. Pork chops, not a pork chop, but pork chops. Roast chicken, chicken breast, chicken escallop, chicken cordon bleu, cotton batter, meat lasagna, vegetable lasagna and spaghetti bolognese. And before the gig is even finished, the dessert. So within the 7.95 is your starter, your main course, and then for dessert, either ice cream, apple cake or coffee. And then all of the above, not the dessert, but the main course, served with salad or vegetables and chips and canarian potatoes. 7.95. I mean, I'm not criticizing the Irish costs in Irish restaurants. I guess it's not like would like, but that's serious value. And then email I got in touch saying, I live in Lanzarote and my views are vastly different to the gentleman Sean in Tenerife. I'm 52 and must work hard here to survive here. We work to pay the rent. That's the life experience we have here. As a gentleman who is retired, Sean has no idea of the reality of an expat living in Spain. We pay, well, I think he does, like he's living there, so he has a, he, 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 you know, he's living in reality, just maybe different to yours, but anyway, we pay 945 euro a month for rent, and that's cheap here, and obviously much cheaper than Ireland for a three-bedroom house with a pool, with a pool. 
This is in Lanzarote. But now prices are rising vastly, including utility bills. There are huge disadvantages to living here, and I can't wait for my daughter to finish school so I can go back to Ireland. The hourly wage is €7.23 an hour, and when you work here, you don't get out to enjoy the sun. The only advantage of living here is that it's very safe to raise children. If you can't work due to illness, you get very little help from the government. There is no children's allowance. There is no HAP. And there is no rent allowance. Not that I ever claimed anything like that in Ireland, but I always knew it was there if I needed it. Uh, Spain is a hugely racist country. Hmm. I wonder what Spanish people listening to that would think about it. Uh, the Spanish to the English and the Irish. Very racist. I would not recommend anyone to move here unless they can buy their own property. They do not have to work. They can work remotely online. That's it. Best place in the world for retirement only, not to live and work. And thank you for that email to neil at redfm.ie. Lots more to do after the break. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. You can text 0868-104-106. So a lot to do this morning, including Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Parks. You need to be texting who you are and where you are. I'll tell you all about your feed a little later on, but get those texts in. We'll start the shout-outs just before 10 this morning. Text who you are and where you are. 15 plus of you will be fed this lunchtime, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters. So text who you are and where you are to 868 104 Now, massive response to yesterday's conversation with Father Liam Sheehy. And while I will be moving on from it, uh, I have to do justice to a lot of the texts that I received and read a selection of them at some stage this morning. I also have some phone calls held over from yesterday's conversation with him and this whole controversy around his homily down in Listowel on Sunday morning. So amongst those, of course, who had to suffer his wrath are the sinners uh, who are gay. Uh, of course, there were issues as well about the lunacy of transgenderism, which is like another way of calling somebody with gender issues a lunatic. And on top of that, of course, abortion and the termination of pregnancy. And if that was enough for you, also issues surrounding, um, say, for instance, promiscuity uh, and having sex for the sex of just sex only and not procreation. So there are a lot of opinions on that uh, by text, but also by call. Alex, thank you so much for coming on and indeed for holding. Good morning to you. Hi, Neil. How are you? And you yourself are gay. Did you hear the conversation uh, with Liam Sheehy, or have you read it in the newspapers, what he had to say? I saw what he said on the video on the Facebook, and I also was listening yesterday morning. Okay. How did that make you feel? Quite angry, to be honest. Because, <laughs> like, I've, um, like, since I was 13, like, when I was discovering, like, myself and my sexuality and my orientation, I always felt kind of shy in myself, and at the same time, I was a little confused. Confused, And then at, six, yeah. and then at 16, I, like, fully understood that I was uh, gay. And then, since then, I've always kind of stood up for that right to have, to be, like, to have my own comfort, uh, to be comfortable with my sexuality. Yes, yeah. And I've had like preachers and stuff in town at times when I've been with um, previous partners and current partners that have actually seen us holding hands and then 
attack us verbally. No, no, I'm just interested in that. Like, when you say attack verbally, they would see you walking with your partner, holding hands, and say what? They would say, you're causing sin, you're causing an abomination, uh, you should be ashamed of yourself, you're going to hell. And, like, this would be, like, at the top of the voice in public with other people around. How does that make you feel? Well, in one way, mortified and embarrassed, but probably angry as well, yeah? <laughs> well, it did the first two times it happened because it happened It happened at least four or five times. But the first two times it happened, I didn't say anything. But the third time it happened and I was with my partner at that time, I literally turned around and did the exact same back to the preacher. What would you say? <laughs> I should have said, well... If you're saying God loves everybody, then you should be preaching love, not hate, to Good a specific answer. kind of people. Good answer. Did they? Did that? Was that preacher male or female? Incidentally, that was a female. Okay. And what did she say? Anything back? She literally turned around as if she didn't see me. Um, do you now avoid areas if you see preachers, or do you? Are you slower to? I mean, it. it Nobody else makes remarks. Do the general public make any kind of remarks if you're walking down the street holding hands? No, nobody seems like nobody really cares because, as I see it, like Ireland is a very open country in that sense. It's just the religion is what's holding us back as a country, yeah. and it's still our country is still run more or less by the religious community, and it's only. The priests and stuff that seem to have, an, like, not all of them, I know some of them don't, but the majority of them still seem to have an issue with grasping that they need to move forward. The book may have, the book was out 2,000 years ago, and I'm sure if Jesus was around now, yeah. that he would accept us the way we are. Yeah. And you know the preachers that we see in, in town or in cities or towns, aren't they primarily preaching the Bible? That's, you know, that that's the reason that they're there to tell people of the Bible and you know, what the Bible says. Yeah, they'd be quoting passages from yeah. it and they'd be saying why Jesus gave up his self for our sins and all that. Yeah, so that's what Liam she- Father Liam Sheehy is saying as well. Everything that he talks about is is the foundations of it for him are from the Bible. Many people are saying that it's not as relevant now as 2,000 years ago uh, and that we need to move on from it. But he's sticking to his guns. Those preachers will be the same. The Bible has the true message. We need to follow it. That you're 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 not a sinner. It's it's being gay is the sin. And if you're gay but you don't do anything about it, it's fine. But what he seems, and I was saying this yesterday, um, what he seems to forget is that the Bible actually mentions about a homosexual act, and there's actually a passage that references to the rainbow itself. If I I actually have that here, if I could read it out to you. Sure, it's not too long though, is it? No, it's not too long. Okay. It says, I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign to the covenant between me and the earth. It will rem- I will remember my covenant between me and all living creatures uh, of every kind. Never again will waters become a flood to destroy, to destroy all life. And basically that's referencing that no matter who they are, man, woman, child, animal, will always be equal. I'm getting the impression from you that you, you are religious, though, that you are a believer, are you, at the same time? I used to be. Um, it was kind of everything that used to come out about the church that turned me into um, an atheist. 
but I still like to stick up for my community when in terms of this and like I do I do know my way around the Bible because of my grandfather because he was fairly religious mm. but I just I know my facts when it comes to stuff like this Gotcha and do you, do you are you slower to go into the city now with a partner because of uh, you know being, being, being shouted at or being lectured at no. by preachers No and even if my partner is go, uh, slow about going in he I always say hold my hand no matter what I'll protect you because it's our right to be able to go out freely, they shouldn't have to have this hold on us. Good man, good man. Let me do some texts on this if you don't mind, but nice talking to you, Alex. Have a good weekend. Cheers. No, uh, and there are a lot of uh, texts. Um, and in, incidentally, I mean, you could say that there are texts that also in support of uh, Father uh, Sean Sheehy. Sorry, I might have said Liam Sheehy, Father Sean Sheehy. It's great to hear a priest who speaks the truth of the gospel and is not afraid to stand out to the loud, woke, do whatever you want and feel whenever it suits you, people. I feel sorry for the fake Catholic mob and the anti-faith liberals who condone abortion and judge and condemn anyone trying to live by their religious faith. People who are angry at this priest haven't a clue about scriptures and the doctrines of the Catholic faith and yet think they have every right to put the truth down. My thanks to Father Sheehy. He speaks the truth of Jesus Christ, says Elaine Kelly. Now, I won't respond to any of these texts because people are entitled to their opinion. David Deneen in Toker says, I'm a devout Catholic. He is dead right, as in Father Sheehy, in everything he has said. This is the teachings of our church and there's no room for any arguments. If you don't like it, don't be a Catholic, simple as. Uh, the woman caught in adultery was told by Jesus, your sins are forgiven, sin no more, right? The speaker left that part out. It's the sin that's condemned. Jesus himself condemned sin. That's why he came on earth to free people from it. I'm afraid, unfortunately, many people who profess to be Catholics have no knowledge of Catholicism. I could listen to that priest all day. Um, not quite sure why you're saying this as to whether you agree or you disagree. Uh, what a brilliant man Father Sheehy is. He hit the nail right on the head. He was brilliant. Well done to him. Can't go on air as all the anti-Catholic brigade would devour me. Sin is sin. But people don't believe there is sin in this day and age. Uh, morning, people are trying to change the church. The commandments have been there for thousands of years. If you don't agree with them, uh, then become a Protestant. You, Neil, in conversation with the priest, are completely out of your depth. Depth. Uh, another one here says, nice to hear Neil get his ass kicked for a change. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Anyway, ass kicked. Um, after hearing today's show with Father Sean, I must say I always loved listening to the show until now. I feel sick to my stomach listening to what was on today's programme. This is from yesterday. If anything, Neil should have put the priest in his place. Uh, I have never felt so upset listening to a radio broadcast. It was appalling and upsetting uh, for more than me, I am sure. Uh, things in life are bad enough without having to listen to that priest. I'm so disappointed that this was even allowed to continue on air. I will not continue to listen to you after today, and I'm sure there will be many more will follow. Well, that's unfortunate, but I've said it, if I've said it once, I've said it a dozen times. People who have contrary points of view to you, or indeed to me, still deserve to be listened. Now, there would be parameters to that, like hate speech or things like that, uh, but in, in this case... People deserve to be heard and need to be heard. You don't want to be driving it underground. There are some fantastic priests out there, but society has broken down and it's so sad as a Catholic. Abortion is murder of the innocent. I would never judge anyone. Let them do as they will. We all have choices in life. But yet you say you don't judge anyone, but you say that anybody that has an abortion 
is murder is engaging in murder. Um, your opinion poll for and against the priest will only make sense if we know what age everyone is. Is everyone agreeing with the priest, for instance, over 50 years of age? Perhaps it's a case that everyone disagreeing is much younger. Uh, and there are literally, literally, literally hundreds of them, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. I promise you that. John, good morning. Well, good morning, Neil. Uh, uh, you, you wanted to pick up on my conversation yesterday with Father uh, Sean Sheehy. Well, no, I want to focus on the Bible. There's a lot of misunderstanding about the Bible. I know this is now not just in uh, your show, but in various other talk shows, chat shows, right. about the origins of the Bible and what the Bible is, you know. The Bible comprises of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the Old Testament alone, there are 73 different books. It's not, it's not a book, it's a library of books, which is compiled by the Jews over about hundreds of years. The oldest book in the Bible dates back to about the 8th century, and that, that'll be some of the prophets. You see, you have the sections of the books of Moses, that's Genesis now, and the story of the Jews coming out of Egypt. Yes, and all old, yeah, old, old Testament, I understand, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's part of the Old Testament. That's called the Pentateuch, the first five books. Oh, okay, but how Testament. does this relate to what we were talking about yesterday, John? Forgive me. Well, they're talking about uh, gay and the gay restrictions on gay. Where does Jesus give out about gays? It's not in the Gospel at all. That's in the book of Leviticus from the Old Testament. Yeah, before he... he... A man shall not lie with another man and yeah. all that. Yeah. That's from Leviticus, which yeah. is compiled by the Jewish priesthood around the 5th century B.C. Before Jesus ever came or before we knew who he was or before we knew of black yeah, people. We were, we, were, we were probably pagan then, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I suppose we... Well, we, 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 we had our own rules. We were probably Druids and the we brain did. laws. Yeah, and that, yeah, you know? yeah, we did. And then you have the prophet section and the wisdom section. Yes, the book of Job comes from that. Oh, I know, prophet. I know, but I need to just keep this on track. What, how does that relate to the conversation yesterday? Because the, the the Bible is being blamed in all sorts of ways. The comments are made about the Bible, which are completely untrue. Like the, the Bible was written thousands of years ago. I heard that. So it's it's outdated. It's outdated to modern men and women and children. Then yes, it comes. It's of its time. Yes, but it it seems to carry a message. Uh, it's clothed, if you like, in the uh, customs and traditions and beliefs of the time. Yeah. But the inher- it's inherent in the sense that it carries truths in it which apply to all times. Okay, you know? yeah, but okay. But as regards yeah. the priest and Sean Sheehy, you know, you see, first of all, he has been ministering in America. And in America, there is a very strong fundamentalist Catholic strand. And I think he must be coming from there. Uh, you know, they, 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 there's very traditional, very strong fundamentalist streak. And remember, the Catholic Church has always contained within itself various shades of opinion from extreme liberal to extreme fundamentalist. It's like the fisherman's nest, if you like. Okay, so there is fundamentalism in all religion. It's not just others. It is also in in Catholicism. Within Catholicism, there's a whole range across the spectrum 
of opinions, views and beliefs. But what is yours, yeah. before I let you go? Is it that we should leave that behind? I mean, we need to change. If we're, if references are going to be made to something from two and a half thousand years ago um, and they can never change, that's like saying we should never have embraced the wheel. We should never have embraced or created or invented electricity. Yes, yes, you're right. Say, for instance, well, course, the motor car, uh, penicillin, yes. vaccines. But you see, listen, belief does evolve. St. Paul says to slaves to obey your masters. But you, we would regard slavery as, a, as an abhorrence that's now. A, that's, you know? an, that's an excellent example of how things need to change. Yeah. They, 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 I mean, even the church itself does believe that the Holy Spirit is guiding it towards a wider and deeper understanding, which means that it's going to evolve. So this will largely take care of itself. But I feel sorry I feel sorry for people who say for instance are the mother and father who would be religious of a gay son and daughter whom they love and respect and are happy with the fact that they're gay and living their life with happiness you know not in fear or feeling that they're doing a wrong but those parents must be very upset when they hear this kind of a narrative. Well look the answer to that is even a cursory reading of the Gospels any one of the four Gospels shows quite clearly that Jesus always and ever put human need above the law of God. He tells the story of the man whose donkey falls into the hole on the Sabbath. Now, by law, he's forbidden to work on the Sabbath. But what does he do? He turns around and pulls the donkey out of the hole straight away. Yeah. In other words, in need um, surpasses compliance with law of any type. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's open to interpretation. King David and his army were coming back at one time and they were starving and they went into the temple and they raided the the unleavened bread, which is the equivalent of our communion wafers, and he fed his troops on the unleavened bread. Uh, in other words, human need is what matters. But uh, be and very careful about something like that, because you're suggesting that if somebody is homeless, God forgive them, or hungry and homeless, that they should rob shops. Uh, that's a point, of course. That's a good point. You see? It's, but, very, it's, I mean, va- it's vague enough. Like It's all very nice, happy, clappy stuff. But when you drill into it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, it, it largely, we always... We, maybe they do need to rob a shop if they're, if they're starving. But the thing is, we do normally comply with the law. But there are times when human need uh, has to supersede any legal ruling. Okay, you know, all right. Thing. Okay, thank you, John. Appreciate it. The uh, Roman Catholic Church was founded by a man who never met God. Paul, the Roman tax collector, founded the Catholic Church. Jesus and his apostles were Jews. I think your priest on air is deluded, pointing the finger at homosexuality and same-sex marriage. But I wonder what his views are on the abuse of the church over the years. And that's from a practicing Catholic. Brilliant listening. This man just loves an argument. And there are many more. The first priest you'd on yesterday, which was Father Tim Hazelwood, is a very nice man who would make me want to actually go back to Mass. The other priest, Father Sheehy, would want me to go around throwing any Bibles I find straight into the bin. He's an arrogant man. Uh, Ask him about priests sexually abusing kids. Was that not a sin? Well, we did. We, we covered all of that in yesterday's conversation. If you, if you listen to the whole thing, I'm sure you heard it. Um, 
you're doing yourself okay well a lot of people a lot of complimentary texts so thank you for those I won't read them up but I do appreciate them Uh, one or two more here the priest is uh, rude Uh, I would hang up on him he's supposed to be a man of the cloth no respect for the victim of the man he gave a reference to uh, in court no wonder people have turned away from the church Um, and then another one most people don't like the Catholic faith and don't want to know anything about it Uh, have lots of negative things to say about it but they're not qualified to be judge and jury. No one can judge anybody else, but very few have the courage to speak the truth according to the Gospels. Uh, Yeah, but doesn't that mean that people who do follow the Gospels or follow the Bible or follow the teachings or are Catholic also shouldn't judge anybody also? Um, The minute minute you mentioned the sex offender's character, he was happy happy until then, and then he blew his top. Uh, What kind of a person would support a convicted sexual assault? Uh, He's full of hate, and the priest you had on earlier was encouraging peace and happiness, and that could encourage people back to the church. The second priest did the opposite. Uh, and one final one here. Uh, I'm laughing to myself. We're all screwed, according to Father Sheehy. Uh, tell Neil to tie a knot in it, be a good boy. Ask him, does he also believe that Trump was robbed of the 2020 presidency? But thanks for the laugh all the same. And that's just the selection. There's a lot more besides that. Uh, let's go to uh, WhatsApp. Sarah, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for holding. Just uh, I'm going to do another few no calls problem. on this and texts, and then and then move on. So your thoughts? I'm listening. Oh Jesus, I'm I'm absolutely fuming. I didn't hear uh, neither the priests. To be fair, and thank God in a way because well, thank God, whatever. But uh, I'm just listening to your show right now, and uh, I'm shaking with the nerves. Isn't isn't the principle or one of the principles of, of religion, love thy neighbor. Yeah. yeah. So isn't that hypocritical in itself? It's it's respect um, others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you, Accepting you, you, of others? you, you're, you're coming from a life story yourself in, in, in the sense that, um, uh, he also is very critical of cha- trans, he calls transgenderism lunacy. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to have him say that to my to my face. I would have my both hands around his neck. Because your child is <sighs> is is um is struggling with gender identity or is is trans or, or what stage? Uh well we're we're going to the process process of having um uh him evaluated okay. and then go from there. But e- even at that, even if he was just gay, it's absolutely ridiculous. Didn't we just have a T shirt that was gay? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what was this priest's idea on, on that? Uh, that's Give a- him an exorcism and get him a cure? Yeah. Yeah. I mean well- I'm fuming. It's absolutely absolutely ridiculous. Well, the more and more. Well, sinner. Anybody, anybody that would be gay would be a <laughs> sinner and should repent and look for forgiveness. Yeah, from who? From God? Didn't supposedly He create us all and accept us as we were? Well, well, accept that you're gay, but don't practice gay sex, or ex- right, accept, so- accept that you have gender identity issues, uh, but do nothing about it. Exactly. So, therefore, there must be a cure for uh, gayism, transgenderism, maybe an exorcism, something like that. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's making me boil. I'm never verbal. I respect everybody's ideology. 
uh, you know, religion. But to say things like this, I mean, it, it affects the whole society. The the the, the person that yes. was talking about holding hands in public and he, he gets called names. He gets I mean, shouted at, he gets shouted at and preached at by preachers. You, you, you see them in the city quite a bit. I mean, yeah, preaching what? The Bible. They're preaching against their own values. Love thy neighbor is the most basic of them all. Yes. Is it not? Yeah. So who am I, who love thy neighbor as long as they're not uh, uh, gay, as long as they're not single parents, as long as they're, so, you know, what, what, what sense does religion have anymore? Uh, I think a lot of the church, though, without dwelling on it too long, and a lot of priests have a more kind of updated point of view on life and the struggles that people have or the life choices that they make than those priests who are just fundamentally following the teachings of the Bible and there's no left and there's no right, there's no reversing out of it. You just have to live like that. Can, can I ask you, in, in your, and you, if I'm prying, please tell me if I'm prying. Um, no, don't. How are you dealing uh, with, with your son's sexuality? I'm fine with it. I'm fine. I mean, I have no issue. The main thing is for him to to be happy, to be accepted. But sorry for the expression, I'm scared shitless. Mm. And it's because of things that I hear like this. I mean, even being gay alone is, 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 is dangerous. Can you imagine being transgender? And how your son has been feeling. Did you ever pick up on it yourself? Yes, because we're very close and, uh, and you know, he's still young. He's 16. We're going to start the process now. But it's, you know, things like this upset me. And what would that process involve, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, so he will have to attend um, a, a specialist uh, to have his assessment. And this uh, is all before he starts the hormonal treatments. Treatment, yeah, yeah. Um, and then go from there. But nothing is done without proper uh, um, psychologist and psychiatry psychiatry supervision. So, and is that you know, possible? Not, that's that's all. Po- is this he here in Ireland or is it overseas? Yes, it's here in Ireland. And, yes. and is there an age? that one must be before one can start the hormonal treatment or start thinking about transitioning to, in his case, female? Yes. I am not aware of of the age. I know there are cases that they do feel it at a very young age, but only a parent can decide for themselves. So I'm I'm not... uh, informed enough to be but do you have to make uh, do you have to do you have to agree i'm wondering i don't necessarily have to agree that's the point that's the that's humanity that's that's kindness but does, we don't do, have but, to but, agree but, with but, each other know, but do you do you to have accepting. to accepting oh i know i know that as a parent but i'm saying maybe legally or medically do you have to sign for something like this uh I'm, I haven't gone that far, gotcha. to be okay. honest, to, okay. to know, that's but all, I don't think all, so. That's all in the future. No, I don't think you have to. You just And when uh, you hear you of people then, because there is, a, there is a section of society, while not calling it lunacy, as Father Sheehy did, yes. don't agree mm. with trans, and they say there are only two, male and female. And others would say that it's a phase. That's, look, it's everybody's beliefs. 
I, I, I understand and I respect. Difference of opinions are not what concerns me. What concerns me, it's when it becomes violent. It's when it becomes uh, abusive. If, if a person wants to believe that they don't agree with people being gay or transgender, that's fine. But to be calling it uh, um, lunacy, to be calling it adultery, to be calling it a disease, I mean, for God's sake, mm, okay. what kind of education do these priests have? Do they not do, do, do they not even go back? There was a series on TV, actually, the other day. I just got interested. It was about um, the um, Nostradamus uh, uh, effect. Very interesting. You know, I mean, it's like practice what you preach. And the main focus of a religion is be kind to others, be respect kind. others. Be kind and respect. Yeah, yeah, very important. So where, where does all that go when it comes to religion? Thank you for that. And, and then they have the biggest thing in, 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 in the biggest thing that they should be quiet about is what they've been doing for all these, I don't know how many centuries. I'm sorry, Neil. I'm just, I know I'm venting and I'm. You're totally, I just get you're so totally, you have nothing to apologize for. You're absolutely 100% all right in that department and you're entitled to your opinion and it's okay to have beliefs and be passionate about them. Thank you for sharing them, Sarah. Thank you so much. I Back after 10, text 0868104106. Neil Prendeville, Gold Imro Award winner for Speech Broadcaster of the Year. Corks Red FM. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So this will feed at least 15 of you and you'll get a lot of starters. You could feed up to 20 of you, to be honest with you. Chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers. Then the main event, chicken wraps, chicken pittas and beef burgers. And they do a fantastic burger, all based in the fam- famous Piri Piri sauce. And we've got Piri salted fries, rice and waf- waffle fries thrown in with mayo and garlic mayo and then you build your own cheesecake with lots of different toppings so our first bunch of shout outs this morning text who you are and where you are to 86 for your chance to win everybody at Enable Ireland Adult Services in Little Island morning David to all of the staff at Donworth's office supplies who would love a treat for their staff uh, pre-med fabrication in Pallardoff Road everyone in Ross in Fernands Watson Marlow in Blackpool would love to win a Donovan Pharmacies in Black Balafian would share all of the roosters with um, the pharmacy and other businesses. Feelings of Baker's Road are always listening. They'd also share with their neighbours. Rockwell Engineering, Tusla at North Point Business Park in Blackpool, Impact Ireland Metals, EBO Home Rescue in the Marina, Right Price Tiles in Ballancolic, FTC Accountants on Wellington Road, the STS Group at Janssen in Ring of Skiddy, Tesco and Ballancolic are listening and working hard on the checkouts as well. Storefit Shop Fitters, everybody at Twilight News, Patrick Street, Paul Street and the bus station, Key to Products, uh, Nurses on Call on Patrick Street, the Workshop shop in Grandons, or at least those working in the workshop, EMH Technical Services, ECI JCB Carrick Tool, morning to everybody at RPC Haulage in Granada, Apple in Holly Hill are listening, Cork Metal in Dublin Hill, Stryker on the Model Farm Road, Brookfield Restaurant, they're losing a great team member today and it would be nice to say goodbye, uh, that's Brookfield Restaurant, morning to Sandra, to everybody at Seafields, uh, the lads at Seafields, uh, at the new Merck Project, Bridgewater Homes. Uh, Blockwall Developments, Topman Barbers in Ballancolic and Honey Brown's Hair Salon in Ballancolic and one final one, Little Hands Child Care on the Redemption Road in Blackpool. So good morning to all of you. Keep your texts coming. Text who you are and what you are 
or where you are, I should say. <laughs> Although the days we live in now, who you are, what you are, and where you are. 0868 104 106. It's very upsetting news, isn't it, that you hear you know, Elon Musk takes over Twitter and buys it for 44 billion. And what's the one of the first things he does? Um, no, I'm not talking about charging people for their blue tick. It's laying off staff. Uh, and by four o'clock today, by email, staff at Twitter will know as to whether they have a job or not. Uh, and already I see some people posting that they've already been told. Uh, one texter says, I woke up to the sad news that I'm no longer a tweep, uh, said one of the Dublin staff members this morning. They're literally sending emails to staff and they'll get it by four o'clock today to tell them whether or not they still have a job. Uh, and they really are cutting back employees um, he, he intends to reduce the company's staff around the world, apparently, from 7,500 to just 2,000. Uh, and uh, Stripe also did something similar recently. They also cut back on their workforce. But this is an awful thing, isn't it? And it's an awful way as well to tell that your services are no longer required by email. Maybe that's the world we're living in now. Maybe, to some extent... You know, it's a much colder and less compassionate place when you hear of stories like that. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. The Neil Prenderville Show on Courts Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. As a mother of gay children, it makes me really upset that a radio station would give any space for hatred towards homosexuality in any shape or form. It's 2022. There shouldn't be an issue nor a topic like this even needing discussing says Agnes of two girls who are both gay. To the phone lines we go. Brenda, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plough along as fast as I can. I'm not putting you under pressure, but uh, I'm listening to what you have to say. I have a small thing to say. Yeah. You know, I don't have a big, long, drawling thing. Thank you. Um, um, I just wondered why these bigots, who obviously this priest is, why do they just, and all the followers of him, why do See, they just choose the... Yeah, Why let's, they let's not get in, let's not get involved in name calling because one side oh is as bad God. as the other. Sorry, if we do, sorry, yeah. sorry. okay. But why do they just choose the one thing from the Old Testament that, that is forbidden? It's because you know, I mean, well, there's, there's no other name for them. It's because they've got a, an issue with them. But um, why not choose something? Um, that, uh, something else that was forbidden. Give like, me, give me an example from the Bible that would be no longer relevant or acceptable. Like women um, preparing food for the family dinner is forbidden for them to do that if they're having their period. That's from the Old Testament. That's forbidden. It's forbidden to have shellfish. It's forbidden to have pork. I mean, forbidden to take in blood. Why don't they um, bring that on? Mm. What makes them just pick on these? people who are gay. Yeah, there are a lot of things not acceptable anymore, but things did change. You remember the churching issue regarding women who were who gave birth to babies um, for a long, long time. They weren't permitted into a church for a period of time after childbirth as if it was some kind of a, an unclean thing or they were deemed to be yes. unclean for a period. Yes. But of course, the church changed on that, at least. No? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these... Old Testament things were to do with hygiene anyway. Do you know, so I'm, I don't know. I don't know why they just pick on one thing. Okay. Just one thing. I mean, I'm not gay, but I have nothing against them. They're brilliant people, most of them I know anyway. Okay. So it's Thank just, um, 
I just don't understand why choose that. Why not choose other things from the Old Testament? Why, why be selective? I get it. Thanks, Brenda. Appreciate it. Uh, if you're coming on here, guys, it's important to turn your radios down as well. Otherwise, it feeds back. But thank you all the same. I appreciate every single call, including the Reverend Richard Cronin. Richie Cronin, Presbyterian uh, Reverend, joins me by phone. Richie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Not at all. A couple of questions for you first. Um, were you listening to yesterday's program? Did you hear my conversation with Father Sheehy? I didn't. I heard his original uh, spiel, all right, okay. on, 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 uh, on Twitter. Okay. But uh, I suppose, Neil, my main point is I'm actually quite shocked at the level of misunderstanding that is apparent within our society at the moment. And, and what's, what you have to say is fairly basic Christian theology. Like what he was saying, yes, I know it touched the raw nerve, but like it's not like the church hasn't believed this for 2,000 years. You know, nothing, nothing. He wasn't saying anything new. And yet it does seem like uh, a lot of people haven't really got a clue about what the church teaches anymore. Now, yeah. I, I, as I was saying to your researcher, I'm not coming on here, you know, banging the, the right wing drum trying to give a kick over to the left, right? I, I actually think what we see is there's a lot of people out there who have some very basic questions and they want them answered. Like even your your previous caller there, I think she has a misconception about the Old Testament laws, you know? I mean, all of those questions are, are fairly easily answered. You know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but uh, the problem with modern day society is that they are a lot more compassionate and understanding of other people's points of view and um, uh, well, way, way of on, life well, and well, lifestyle well, choices no, than no, the no. Bible that's, that's would be. That's unfair, Neil, because what you're implying there then is that somehow that I am incompassionate or people that... No, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, no well, certainly Father Sheehy would be deemed as being uh, lacking in understanding and compassion for people living their lives well, how, now. But, but this, this is the point. How, how is that true? You explain that to me. Well, because... because, he, because can he not have a view on these... He mentioned four hot-button topics. Uh, because a lot of people, me included, do not regard... Um, people who are gay as being sinners or need to repent and they don't have to well, be and, I, and I, don't, I don't believe that they if they're gay they must be celibate gay so I think I speak on behalf okay, of Okay, alright, alright, alright but hold on see this, this gets to the heart of the thing because if you listen to what he said he hold up those four hot button topics not as an issue in and of themselves which I think one of the points your last caller was trying to make but he held them up as indicative of where we are as a society, that he, his, his sermon was to everybody. It wasn't just to the, the LGBTQ community. His but where are, we as a, where are we as a society then, in your eyes? Well, I, I would have a couple of things. I think, number one, it's very clear to me that uh, people have this view of God that, like, he's a, a, your grand in the sky. He's just this ineffectual, nice lad, when in fact he is the creator of everything, and we all owe him allegiance. No, he's also loving but he's also just. And I think that idea is completely gone. There's no sense anymore of the fear of God. Now, I know that... I don't, want to, be afraid, I don't want to be afraid of anybody, Richie. Well, hold on, hold on, Neil, hold on. See, this the thing. Once you know that this creator God, who, if you met him tonight, Neil, right, the first thing you do, and this happens in the Bible every time people meet God, they go flat down on their face. We're talking about the creator of the universe here. We're not talking about, you know, Joe Murphy down the road. This yeah. is... The creator, right? But if you know that this big, huge, massive God also loves you, that will increase your love for him okay. all the more. But that, and, 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 that's, and that's a great belief for people to have that belief. Um, but yeah. if, why, why is God or, or Jesus or all of those yeah. that are supposed to be looking after everything and creating everything yeah. sitting yeah. on their hands right now when things are so that's bad? That's not true. That's not true. You think it's true, but it's not true. How, what age are you, Neil? I mean, I'm, I'm in my 60s. 
Right, okay. Now, I bet you if you sat down later on tonight and you look back down the rest of your life, you could see all the ways along. Certain things kept you going, picked you up from, yeah. from disasters. Yeah. You're still here. Yeah. You can't say to me that God's sitting on his hands. He's been looking after you all this time. 60 odd years of it. Yeah, but not everybody, though. Not people who are starving. Not people who are well, dying well, of I, cancer. I, 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 not I, I, people who haven't got a home or can't afford to feed their children. Yes, or I know, involved I know. in conflict or being bombed I, by let, Russians. Hold on, no, I'll tell you one second. One thing that, that, that a story that stuck with me, a friend of mine went over to Mozambique uh, a couple of years ago. There was a massive flood over there. Um, we, we had a, a collection for us here in Cork and I, I think it was 2011. Anyway, he went over there. He was angry at God. He was saying, how could God let all this happen? And he went over and he met people who had nothing near. They were up in the trees surviving and yet they were praising God because to them, Nothing is more important than uh, faith in the Lord. And like, I understand, you know, you look at the, the suffering, you look at evil, and you wonder, where is he? But you go talk to people who are in the midst of it, and I'll tell you, you'll see great faith. It's here in the comfortable West where we start to doubt things. So yeah, I, I think that's indicative of something. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not in a good place. That's all, that's all I'm saying. You can have all the beliefs in the next world, and you could be... And it's all very well for people who are comfortable to get on with their lives. And, but for those that aren't... Um, and, and they may yes, or may but, not but, have but, faith. But you have to ask them, Neil, you have to ask them, why is it that the people that are suffering across the world are often the most faithful and they don't turn their back at, at I, I, the Lord Actually, and actually uh, personally, I think that's very sad. That's well, like you'll a... Have to, you'll that's have like to a take bl- that up with them. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't mean to talk on behalf of them, but as an observer yeah. of that, I find that very, very sad that in spite well, look, of look, in spite I, of I, all I, of the hardships in their life all of yeah. the hardships and they're having awful lives and probably will yeah. die having had awful yeah. lives th- th- is it that they're they're desperate to cling on to anything any kind of hope but that's I no way actually, to spend your entire I, life I, on the planet I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it is I think when you're down in the dirt you see the stars all the clearer there's something about when you go down there actually that God makes himself even more and more real okay I, I, I mean I, I honestly we're we're but pretty, that's, 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 we're pretty that's, rich in Ireland. No one can deny that. I know we got issues. We turn on the news here every night. You're going to hear all sorts of things. And rightfully, we need to fight against them. Yes, but, but, but that's all very well yeah. within the Catholic Church of those that follow the mm-hmm. Bible fundamentally. Unless you're yeah. gay, unless you're divorced, unless you've terminated no, no, a pregnancy, no, unless you no, have gender no, issues, no. and unless you, no. you practice sex before marriage. No, I, I know. Because, and this again is in fairness to Father he one of the points he was making is that it's not about those groups, it's about all of us. If we think there's no problem with any of those things... I don't, do you? Right, I, I do. If, if we think there's any, uh, no problem with any of those things, that is indicative of just how little we understand actually God and his, well, his moral law. But what business and, is it of anybody's if a relationship breaks down and people decide they have to leave it because their lives are a wreck? And they're depressed well, over I mean, it. He, and they are he, he, he didn't say that, and they wouldn't stand behind that either. What, what business of uh, it? What, what if you want to get in there and to help them? But what it, if, you, if, you're, if you're their friend, or if you're, you're their mother or father? But they could fall out of love, neighbor. Richie. They just mightn't love each other anymore. They might have married and shouldn't have, mm-hmm. or they might have married young, or, you know. Well, they, I, I, you know they might I, have fallen I, in I love with someone else. Well, we're talking about divorce here now and separation, but. I've counseled a good few couples over the years and one of the things I've found is that if you can paint a picture to the person to say it to the couple and you can show it to them that actually there is a way for this to continue. There is a way for me to continue on to enjoy your grandchildren later on in life to get over all this 
that is far better than any second or third possible relationship. That makes have. no sense to me. You're asking people How to remain... Because you're asking two individuals, two adults, who have a right to choose to mm. stay in a miserable relationship. No, but well, I just, I, I, I'm not denying that it's miserable. Now, hold on, I just want to note that we've completely gone off track here. But I'm not deny, denying that it's miserable. I'm saying that there is a possibility for, for healing and, and, and reconciliation in that relationship. And I want to hold out that possibility. I think that's the... the ah, you might, you, you, you might give it a bash but, uh, and, and mediate or get a bit of counselling or whatever. But, yeah. but when that doesn't work, you need to be able to go your separate ways. Well, 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 okay, but see, again, it's very clear from this conversation the two of us are coming from different points of view, and I have no doubt that your listeners are coming from different points of view too, and they're probably listening to this and just saying, who the hell does he think he is, right? But I am coming from the point of view that I believe there is a God, he's an interventionist God, he's a personal God, and he lives in me. If two Christians come to me and they said what you said to me just there, I'd be saying, do you not know the power that lives inside you? Do you not see the resources that you have to get over this, to forgive each other, to understand each other better and to, to love each other even more? But you could be in an abusive relationship, for instance. Yes, that's true. Right? Where? You should go in, I, I, 100%. Oh, then you should divorce? Yes, absolutely. The Bible's pretty clear about that. Is it clear about that? That in the case of where it's abusive or... And and there are lots of different types of abuse. There's visual, there's sexual, there's verbal, there's coercion, there's control. Yes, 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 that's right. Why is that acceptable though, but unhappiness isn't? Because it's completely different scales, Neil. Unhappiness. I mean, I've I've heard... I mean, it hasn't... The fairness hasn't come before me. But like, you know, you put... Turn on the news. Go to Daily Mail and read the sidebar. You'll see people breaking up for all sorts of reasons. Are you, are you telling me that you agree with all those things? Uh, I mean, uh, 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 a lot of those are tabloid fodder stories, though, from uh, that celebi stuff, you know. That, uh, well, you know, go, hold on, go, go to the sun, so and read uh, Dear Deirdre, some of the stuff that comes in there. I, I, don't, re- I don't read that. Do you, do you read that? <laughs> I do, yeah. All right, okay. All right. Mind you, you've got to stay close to the ground, Neil. You know what I mean? All right, see, well, see okay. really you're, you're, you're on, uh, on McCurtain Street, isn't that right, Richie? The uh, McCurtain Street and I had a, yeah. two churches. Right. Yeah. So you, your church is the church with the crooked steeple. That's the one, yeah, that's the one. We've yeah. been there now since 1861. And you, do you know the backstory to the Crooked Steeple at all? Why it was built crooked or how it, why it started to lean or what have you? Yeah, all right. So there's a couple of theories and I'll give you the truth then, right? Right. So the, the first one is that someone was annoyed at having to build for Protestants and so they did it deliberately. The second one was <laughs> that it was uh, someone found out there was orange men in there and they did it deliberately. The third one was that... Uh, it was just poor, shoddy workmanship. <laughs> and then the fourth one was that it was um, the lime settled after a while. But and I heard of a fifth one that the builders had an argu- were arguing with the builder. Those who were building mm-hmm. it were having an argument with the builders about their rates of pay because they were yeah. underpaid. So they yeah. built it crooked to yeah. teach him a lesson. But w- w- what's well, the truth? I, the truth is we, we know what they said afterwards and there was no complaining. And we actually know that... It didn't look any... There was no problem with it up to about 100 years ago. So we reckon it was struck by lightning. Really? Yes. Yeah. Well, because we had we had someone in there about a couple of months ago. At, he was a conservation architect, architect and I ran all those theories past him. <laughs> and he was like, no, that's nonsense. The line doesn't settle like that. And, and going Did back he say to, it was... <laughs> but was he able to say that it wasn't originally built crooked on purpose? 
Well, the reason we reject that is because we have extensive documentation, even the, the whole after dinner speech, and there was they were very happy with them. Like, so. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you know, lightning is the answer then. An act of God. <laughs> An act of God. That's right. You see, Neil. You see, he was using that as a sermon illustration because we're all a little crooked. That's the point of Father Sheehy, right? <laughs> okay. Everyone's a sinner. We all need salvation. All right. There is a heaven, there is a hell. All right. Bob Jones. Thanks, Richie. Take care. Cheers. All right. Good Reverend luck. Richie Cronin, Presbyterian uh, Reverend on McCartan Street and I had a text 0868104106. While I see myself as Catholic, I don't agree with the views expressed by Father Sheehy, but I do agree with his view on abortion. The amendment of the 8th was driven by the media and the political sector to gather votes from students. Watch Leo and all these young people celebrating after the result. It was sickening and clueless, says Mike. Uh, The only hypocrite in this debate is the bishop, Father Sheehy only said Catholic teaching. I totally agree with him, but I respect his right to say it. Uh, And then one or two more. I'd ask your listeners to look up two YouTube clips by Stephen Fry. Uh, One clip is on the Gay Burn Show, The Meaning of Life where he asked him, does he believe in God? And the other one is his emotional speech that Stephen Fry gave on religion at a debate about Catholic faith. I haven't seen the latter, but I have watched the former, as in uh, the clip that Stephen Fry uh, features in Gay Burns, The Meaning of Life, and it is powerful. Let's not forget that gay people are still not allowed to get married in a church, so therefore they are still viewed as sinners, even to this day, says Stephen. Uh, And once uh, before I go to the break, uh, people have no understanding of the Bible. I am annoyed listening to the butchering of our holy book, but not offended, annoyed. But to say that Jesus Christ did not found the Catholic Church is ludicrous. If any Catholic doesn't want to adhere to Christ's teaching, they can leave the church. Catholicism is beautiful, but it is the hardest to live by. And if Catholics do not want to adhere to the teachings, they are free to leave. Uh, says Maureen. Text 0868104106. There's that and lots more after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. I'll jump back into more text, I promise you that. But with uh, just starting this morning, so I'm about to glow uh, back on Grand Parade again this Christmas. And the Christmas lights will be turned on sometime in the third week of November, I believe it to be. But they weren't not specifying the date because they don't want people to gather, which is kind of... Weird. Um, Texter says regarding the Christmas light switch on, the lights were switched on in London, Oxford Street, and around London on Wednesday evening, the 2nd of November. Massive celebrations, videos all over YouTube, people and families out having a great time and singing away. This is typical Irish carry on again. The lights here were put on without telling people, or at least will be. What a load of BS. I put mine up on the 1st of November. Get your lights out. Have a laugh, for God's sake. Ridiculous nonsense from our masters. They won't hesitate to demand that we shop local and support the city, will they? But won't allow us to gather for a switch on. And one other one then from the city. I went to see Garth. Well, not, you know, this is from the summer, but it's uh, something that we're reminded with the bad weather coming. I went to see Garth Brooks in the summer. We sat outside the coffee pot at the Carlton Hotel on the Keys, my partner and I. Two tents were pitched right in front of us. And I couldn't believe how many well-dressed people ignored the plight of these homeless and acted as if they didn't exist. If this wasn't bad enough, they were all in the tent in their early 20s, six of them. I bought them a round of coffees and asked them and gave them some treats that we had packed for the day. It broke my heart to see how happy they are were with such a small gesture. I couldn't in all conscience go for, for a day out without doing something. It still plays in my mind now. 
Where are they and what are they doing? Are they out in a tent? Will they be freezing this winter? I mentioned the change in policy regarding Primark and pennies with unisex toilets that women were unhappy with them. So they're changing the policy to have women's toilets and unisex. Um, Billy says, surely having just women and unisex changing rooms is contravening the Equality Act. Men are being left out too much and nothing is being said about it. There should be three changing rooms, women, men and others, as in women, men, unisex. Uh, just a comment on the, in relation to the changing rooms in pennies. We used to go to a particular city restaurant regularly, but stopped a couple of years ago when they changed the toilets to unisex. Uh, we used them a couple of times, says Martina, but they're upstairs and I just don't feel comfortable or safe. Why do restaurants do this? Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Now, also, and I may well come back to this a little later on, I was sent a video clip uh, last night of a cyclist and a taxi driver who got into quite a heated roadside row. Now, we've shared this on Twitter and indeed on Facebook, and you can see the video itself because the cyclist recorded everything. And it shows originally the cyclist, and I'll play a little bit of the audio in a second, it shows the cyclist knocking with his finger, you know, his, his knuckles, on the driver's door as he rides past the taxi on the inside. Taxi driver beeps repeatedly, catches up with the cyclist, and they have some heated exchanges. Um, the cyclist had a big issue with the taxi driver being in the cycle lane uh, and tapped on his door when he was trying to squeeze up past him. Some would suggest that no cyclist should try to pass anything on the inside, like any car or anything, if you don't have room. But he was attempting to do that. Taxi driver said, if you touch my car again, I'll run over you. Um, Then the taxi driver says, I'll knock your head in, things like that. So they move on then and they uh, join each other again then on South Terrace, where you see the taxi driver cutting in, quite clear in the video, cutting in on the cyclists. And I believe that the cyclists at that point collided with the uh, with the taxi. Here's some of the audio, so you got to picture it in your mind's eye, okay? Can you go off the cycle lane? Excuse me, I say get off the cycle lane. If you're on your cycle lane. Here you go. Here you go, bud. All right. Are you going to watch? You're threatening me now, are you? I tapped you to say get off the cycle lane. It's a mandatory cycle lane. I didn't kick it, excuse me. I knocked it up with my knuckles. I let the bus come up this way. I don't care. You're not supposed to be in the cycle lane. You're going to what? You're threatening me. I knocked your head in. Yes, threatening you. I'm threatening you. You're threatening me, right? I'll go to the garage with that. Get my number. I'll go to the garage. I will go to the garage with that. And I'll you. I asked you to get off the cycle lane. Then they head up along towards South Terrace. The right-hand side of South Terrace. Sorry. They're cutting on the way up the cycle lane. Yeah. I'm reporting it. I'm reporting it. Let go of my bike. Let go of my bike. Let go of my bike. There are a lot of anger out there, lads. There's an awful lot more anger on our roads that would deem to be road rage. Some would say the cyclist, the cyclist was originally the antagonistic one by knocking on his door. A taxi driver wouldn't be able to know whether he was knocking on his door or whether he kicked the door. Um, but uh, a lot of people responded to this. Um, cyclists are a danger on the road, often running red lights. There are lanes for them, but they use the road instead. It's all down to Eamon Ryan with the cycling policy. They should have some sort of insurance when driving on rain roads because this is an example of how much of a danger that they can be. Another person said that cyclist had no patience 
The taxi shouldn't have been in the cycle lane, but it's a built-up area where we all have to make allowances for each other. At the end, he cycled up the side of the taxi and there just wasn't enough room. All that is very valid, incidentally. In fact, I believe the taxi driver said at one stage that he had pulled into the cycle lane and stopped because he was letting a bus come up a very narrow road. Um, it goes both ways. Some cyclists shouldn't be on the road because of their complete lack of respect for the rules of the road, especially at red lights. I'm sure they think that the rules do not apply to them. Um, he shouldn't have slapped the door of the car. He also stopped using the cycle lane pretty quickly and was on the road. Um, mind you, you can see in the video, and you should go and check it out yourself, that the taxi does seem to kind of veer in on top of the, the cyclist. And that's very, very scary. Uh, the video is a disgrace. Two grown men acting the clown. People should not be shouting or confronting each other on the roads, nor should they be striking vehicles or bikes. Just get on with your day and let others do the same. This isn't the first time this individual has had an accident like this on a cycle. He's known to be confrontational on the roads and has built up quite a social media platform from the videos he posts and one would have to question whether road safety is actually his motivation. He hides behind an anonymous page, and I'm sure people would like to know who he really is. The two of them should be made complete anger management courses, uh, says Mark um, from the Cork Motorist Movement uh, by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Take a look at it and judge for yourself, or indeed if you have opinions or stories to share as to the difficulties of cars or taxis sharing our roads with cyclists, Get involved in the conversation. Text 0868-104-106. But um, here's a topic that I would like to, and I will come back to other texts throughout the course of the morning. But I got an email recently from parents, and I think anybody that has children involved in sport may well be able to relate to it. It's rather lengthy, so I've just cut back on it to the parts that I think are, are relevant. Um, and it's a parent who says, I wouldn't normally contact a show regarding issues, but I feel I have no other option to relay the way the schoolboys league views children playing in their league. For a number of years, the league in Cork and clubs within it have consistently forced children out of games playing only the better players. These children range in ages from 10 upwards. At one point, they were told they didn't need to come to training, uh, ending with numerous upset boys. I've highlighted these issues with numerous people at the top of our particular club, and I fathom to understand why on earth they're putting in a position where they clearly have no interest in children's well-being. It's all about looking good. This is not the World Cup or the Champions League, and many of these kids who've been left out are consistent at training, unlike some of the so-called better players. The most recent scenario has emerged in a text sent to parents this evening. And this was a text sent from uh, an under-13 soccer club. And they said they had to review the school teams playing in the club because it became evident that they would be challenged to field a second under-13 team on a regular basis. So they had to even concede a few walkovers because they didn't have enough players. So the committee then decided that they would change it and they've settled on a panel of players and two coaches who will play, but that means they'll only have one team. So those that played in the second team will not be able to participate in football activities this season. It's not viable to enter a team. There just aren't enough for both teams. So they'll only have the one, which would be the best team. Um, and the parents said to me, this is a disgrace. They've driven coaches away, volunteer parents who had some interest in the kids but were seen as nothing but trouble. 
and now they want the kids to leave and find alternative clubs. I'm fuming that children are treated like pawns and tossed aside. There isn't a thought for their mental health. How do you explain to a 13-year-old who wants to play soccer with his friends that he can't? As far as I and others can see, there isn't a proper approach to coaching kids and given the ones who need it most support and encouragement, instead they make them feel useless. Horrified at this, I hope you will read this and raise this serious issue on your show as us parents are at a loss. No child should be treated like this and I would hope more parents will speak out. No details, please, because I don't want to fall back on my son who is upset enough at all that's gone on already. Um, I did get some texts on this and, sorry, emails, I should say, because we did share it online. But I'd love to know if you're going through a situation like that where your child literally is deemed by the club, be it soccer, I don't know whether it happens in Ga. It could be hockey, it could be any kind of a team sport where they're just deemed not good enough to be able to play, right? So text on that or pick up the phone on that 0818-104-106. Brian, good morning. Morning. Um, what, would you, what do you make of that? Should, should everybody get a game uh, or are clubs just interested in the best players, the best young fellas or the best girls? Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I, uh coach football teams over here in England and um, it's a uh, like it seems to me like it's, it seems to be just across cause we call it grassroots in England so that's like the day to day football that kids play uh, normally not academy football but it seems to be creeping across that they're trying to bring academy football into kids soccer basically and it's it, it's happening all the time so it's just happened that one of the clubs my my two of my young fellas are in academy football yeah? yeah and that's the way it works in academy football it is the best of the best yeah but one of one of the his, one of my child's teams they've now done that they've done a an A team and a B team and then so basically they pick the best players a bit like what this lady said and they put them across into the team because they want to, they just just want to win. But I believe that grassroots football is about kids having fun. Now, I like some of the academies in England don't let the kids play grassroots football. But I, I encourage my team to play grassroots football because they're only children. Okay, they need if, to have fun as well. Fun. Okay, but if they're not if they're not good enough if they're not good enough to make the team, uh, and I know that there are yeah. different teams. You can have two or three, and the you know the best one, second yeah. best, and third best. But let's say there's only one well, team. Right. Yeah, but that, that's that's fair enough, right? But in grassroots football, there's not. It shouldn't be any such thing. It's about having fun. It's about the football's about having fun. It's not about like winning and losing. I mean, even over here in England, before up to the age group eleven, it's it, under eleven. It's, it's non-competitive, but they're still all about winning, and it shouldn't be because it's. So about do you do you accept then that, that it is all about winning and it's not about the child? That that's what seems to be creeping yeah, in. It's becoming too competitive. It yeah. It, sh- it shouldn't be, and that's what it, that's what grassroots football basically the normal running football like the Glen United, whatever, and Nathan's United. Those teams, they're not academy teams. It's about children having fun and children going out to play a sport. It's not to do with But if it's competitive, though, but it is though because that's what you have leagues for. You've got different teams playing yeah, yeah, each yeah, other yeah, to win a league. cup. So why yeah, would you play weak it, players when you're not and and lose? Because it, it's, it's, you're supposed to be getting these children out to play sport. Yeah, we're trying to encourage. We're, like we got obesity problems all over the world, so we're supposed to be actively encouraging children to go out and play sport. But if you're discouraging certain children because of their skill levels not to play these sports, they're never going to learn. So if you get a young player that turns up, he's nine. He's never played on a field before. He's not like he doesn't have skill levels, does he? So he's never going to learn, is he? 
So if you're disencouraging those children to come, that's the whole spoke on, isn't it? Well, they're never going to learn. Could could they? F- look, I don't mean to be draconian about it or coming down on parents. Yeah, I'm just no. trying to look at it from the opposite point of view. Would it not make more sense to find a sport that your son or daughter actually is good at if yeah, they're not yeah, good I at soccer that. or hurling? But I get that, right? But they have. To, how can they get better? And how can they learn if they're good at it if they're not given a chance in the first place? Do you know what I mean? Like, I get all that. It's all, I mean, winning this and that and trophies, this and that. But at the end of the day, there's academy football out there for these kids that are supposed to be good enough at that sport, yeah? Yeah, that's Let the different level there. as well. Yeah, those yeah. teams. And, right, if they aren't good enough for those teams, they're obviously not good enough to be in levels with those teams, yeah? So, so everybody should get, everybody who goes to training and turns up every week, yeah. even if they're not great yeah. players, they should get a chance yeah. in, a, in an actual match. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, because they're never going to improve. If you're saying their skills, they haven't got very good Even those that have two left them. feet, like... Ah, Jesus, but you might be able to improve them. I've seen young fellas come across there. There's a young fella player in our team, yeah? And he, uh, they thought he's never going to go anywhere. I won't mention his name, like, but he's, he's, uh, he's got, um, he's wears hair in it. So his, um, what would I say? His balance was slightly out. I tell you what, Leicester Academy are looking at him now. Isn't that yeah? amazing? Because he improved that much. That is amazing. Yeah. So he would have been like, like these children Cast have been born on the. Yeah, it's cast aside because he'll never make it. But he's he might make it. They're looking at him now. Yeah, and, and, he's, only, and, and, he's only okay. an, and don't get me wrong. I, I, yeah, I'm not talking about boys here. I'm talking about girls as yeah, well because girls, anyone, they also play sport. the same sports yeah. as boys. Yeah, feel free exactly. to hold, feel free to hold on there because I'd love to get parents' thoughts on this. But also Pat Kelly, the former referee, who's got a new book out called "It Happened by Chance." We spoke in the past. Indeed, we spoke to other members of his family. We're also refs. Pat, yeah. good morning. Morning. I think one of the last times we spoke was uh, the game you refereed with Maradona. Was a, I think it was a friendly, wasn't it? Argentina and Switzerland. What, 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 do, what, what do you make of this? Um, because I'm wondering whether we're not teaching our children life skills, that we're teaching them, you know, that you're, you can do anything you want, you can be anything you want, uh, all you have to do is follow your dream. And it's not preparing them, that life is actually crueler than that. We need to prepare them young. And if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Yeah, but the, <clears throat> the thing behind this, Neil, is, you know, you can be, as your last caller says there, Brian. Uh, academies. You know, people start off playing schoolboy and schoolgirls football. You know, schoolgirls football has become very, very popular over the last couple of years. But uh, both the boys and girls, they, they'll go to clubs, they'll go training, and the clubs have certain teams at every age group. You have your first team, and you have, uh, for the more skillful players, and you have a second and third team for people, you know, who you judge to not be the best, but they turn up for training every week, they want to play football, and everybody should encourage them to play football. There should be no one turned away from any club. Are the days gone then, maybe I'm misreading, are the days gone where kids turn up and they go to practice all of the time, hail, rain and snow, but they never get a proper game? Are, these, are those days gone? No, they're not really. I mean, there are, there are different age groups. There are different trophies to be um, uh, challenged for. But, you know, not everybody, as their last caller says, will make it to the top grade. But there's always room for participation in every sport. 
But I get the impression from emails that I'm seeing that some parents believe that the coaches are too competitive and they're chasing trophies, they're chasing medals, uh, that they think that they're in the Premier League. I agree 100%. That's the way they, they continue. You know, they're seeing this on television, they're seeing the manager on the touchline and he's giving out to the referee or giving out to somebody, giving out to players even. That should never be the case. You know, they're there to participate. They're there to enjoy the game. It's grassroots. It's called grassroots in this country as well as in England. And people find their feet at a, and, and reach a certain level, the only level that they can reach. Now, they may not always be the best players around, but people then move from the clubs to some of the League of Ireland clubs. Yeah, if they're good enough. To to their academies, if they're good enough. But there's always room for everybody else to play football. No, there should be room. There should be room, but clearly there isn't if parents feel as if, and I have more emails, which I'll read out in a few minutes' time, of parents of children where the children are literally going home crying because they don't get a game. But... I'm just worried about the sense of entitlement that parents might be teaching children, that you're actually entitled to it as much as everybody else. Whereas in real life, when they grow up then, they'll be all confused, thinking, well, my parents told me that I could do anything, be anything, go anywhere. It's, I'm entitled to. You have to earn it, though. I'll be honest with you, Donnell, but if they're turning enough to go to the game, they should be getting the game time. Because they are entitled to it. If they actually go... We, we have to give a fair amount of minutes. And even with the academy teams, if I bring a child to a game, I have to give him so much playing time. I can't just leave him sitting on the sideline for 40 minutes. Do you know what I mean? Because I've brought him somewhere. If I bring a child to a game, I have to give him the playing time. So the, the parents are right. But, 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 as, a, but as an adult playing soccer, say, for instance, in the FAI or in the FA or whatever that, the case may be, different. All, all, substitutes don't, all substitutes don't, all those on the bench don't automatically get a game. Yeah, but that, that's different. That's adults, isn't it? But again, grassroots football. I'm not sure of the FAA rules, but the FAA rules say if I bring a child to a football match, he's supposed to get a certain amount of game time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me get some yeah. thoughts from uh, parents on the topic. Uh, appreciate your contribution, though. Uh, just before, uh, just before I go for news and back after eleven, I'd encourage parents to get involved. Uh, pick up the phone oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate your call overseas. Oh, thank you. Pass the book. It happened. It happened by chance. What's the backstory to the title? What happened by chance? <laughs> I'll tell you what happened by chance. Um, I was managing an under fourteen team uh, back in the day. And I showed up one night, and there was no referee there. And a gentleman by the name of Pat Long, who was the fixture secretary of the School Rise League, asked me to know the referee the match, which I did. And he stayed for the whole match and asked me to know what I continued to do some of other games if I had time. And that happened as well. So that's where the actual title of the book came from. It happened by chance. And of course, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. There's you and indeed uh, your other two sons, Alan and Graham, who followed in the footsteps. And Alan, remember talking to him, referee Champions League in Europa, didn't he? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Graham refereed in the League of Ireland. And my father was a referee before me as well. Is it a different world now so, for refs? Um, I, I think they've, they've really tightened up in the, the bigger games. But I'd imagine if you were playing schoolboys as a ref now, you'd be getting an awful lot of grief from parents. That's the, that's the big issue. We're trying to encourage young people into refereeing, both male and female. And when you go back over the last couple of years, 
the abuse that parents have given referees. They've also given it to the players, some of the players, and they've given it to coaches because they feel that their young young fella or young young one is going to be the next superstar. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and this is the issue, and it causes. I mean, we've had referees uh, verbally and physically assaulted over the last couple of years by parents. But I was reading that. I mean, this is not a modern scourge, though, because I think you were you were attacked and assaulted. I mean, two broken noses and everything, and that was, <laughs> and that goes back to the seventies, like. It does, yeah, it does. Um, you know, and, and it's gone on. It's gone on in all sports, really. But um, and it's you know, I could I could walk away that time when it happened to me, but thankfully I didn't. I went on to better things, um, and the advice of the referee I was over at the time because. You know, I was young and probably uh, could have had an attitude problem with regard to cards and things like that, yeah. especially in the League of Ireland, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. As in too, 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 as an attitude problem is too fast to show the yellow or the red, is it? Yeah, yeah. But uh, when I went back after, I mean, you know, Neil, I, I, I was small in stature, still am. I know, but I've heard of, I know, I mean, we all, I mean, we see the videos now and not always soccer match videos where there's brawls on the pitch or the yeah. ref gets a dig and you hear the ref having to be escorted to his or her car and things like that. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of worrying, you know, and it, it could be it from worrying. the players or it could be from the supporters. Yeah, definitely. And, it, you know, it, it prevents young people from taking up the, the art of refereeing then. You know, I mean, even students there. You have students who go around and they collect glasses at night or something like that. I, we're trying to encourage students to come in and referee a game on a Saturday and one on a Sunday. And it would be much better. And I'm sure the parents would be delighted too. Is there a shortage of refs kids then? Wouldn't. Definitely. Year on year. We lose so many referees due to abuse. Go away. And we're not able to... I mean, you're talking there about players and clubs only having one team. You know, there are too many teams there at the moment. But that's, that's we, we encourage that as well. Yeah. But we also have to get enough referees yeah, to look after the these, these matches. So, so just to come back to the original point they were making, you believe that every child should get a game. It's not good enough to ask them to come to training. They need to get, they need to get pitch time, game time, even if they're not as good as others on the team. Exactly. But what and if the team certain... keeps losing then? That's not that's not an issue. It's all about participating and helping young kids to uh, follow their dream, as you said. You know, some of them may never make it. I mean, how many how many players have gone over to England uh, on trial and things like that? I know it's not happening now. Uh, well, actually, right Kevin sent me a stat. He said less than one percent of players who are registered in any age bracket at any football clubs less than one percent go on to make a debut in professional level. Seven f- 75 for those 75% of those who do sign as professionals are no longer good enough in the game by the age of 21 so it's a tiny right. amount yeah no you you know you would you would have seen in the book you know I sent some players over uh, in in the young days and I was told no these fellas will never make it one of those players was Dennis Irwin gas isn't it who I was told would never make and I spoke to another man uh, who was coaching the Irish on the 15 team about Roy Keane and he said 
he'll never make it because he's too small. Now the manager was five foot two and was a former international player. So what did you see in them? And like, how did Keane then manage, or even Dennis Irwin manage, to prove them wrong? Well, uh, after I got the phone call to say he'd never make a player, within six months he was all with Leeds United. And then Leeds United left him go on a free transfer to Oldham Athletic and played against Manchester United with Oldham. And Alex Ferguson saw something in him. Amazing, isn't it? So you saw, Ferguson, what you saw. Interesting text here. I remember hearing about Roy Keane playing on the streets years ago and he was a young fella above in Mayfield. They didn't think much of him as a player. As a matter of fact, in one stage, they used to just put him in goal. I mean, if that's true, that's incredible, isn't it? Incredible, yeah. But, you know, we were looking at players at one stage and uh, two player, two managers that were running the Rockmont on the 13 team uh, Timmy Murphy and Gino Sullivan said, you're looking at the wrong player here. The fellow with the football brain is playing in the middle of the field. <laughs> and he was dead right because it was right, Keith. <laughs> great story. I bet the book so, is full of these kind of great stories, Pat. I, is, I, I haven't is. read it yet. I must preface it by saying I haven't read it yet, but I will do. And I encourage other people to buy it. Make a great Christmas gift. Uh, Pat Kelly's book, It Happened by Chance. Good to catch up with you, though. Thanks for taking the call. No problem, Neil. As Thanks always, super guy. Nice bye, stuff. Pat bye. Kelly, former ref. Text 0868-104-106. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text who you are and where you are to 0868-104-106. This will feed at least 15 of you, possibly up to 20. Lots of food, starters, main courses and design your own cheesecake dessert. Shout out to everybody at Y'all local competitions. They're all starving, giving y'all and East Cork dream prizes and surprises. Oliver Hayes Garden Services and Bandon, Cronies, Cronin's Concrete Group and Coach for the listening. Desi's Tires and Vickers Road, the best in the business. Ross Oil in Fermanans, DMB Electrical Maintenance and Toker, uh, Magella Kremen and all the staff of the Planning Department at Cork City Council at City Hall, Haven Bay in Kinsale, everybody at Stryker in Carrick Tool are listening. Uh, Derek Madden, accountants in Mallow. Uh, Maglin Kitchens are working and hard. Morning to Philip and Matthew and Jer and David, Sam Dennigan and Toker, everybody at Coachford Equestrian Centre, the front counter team and the mailroom team in Leia Healthcare would love feeding. Um, and everybody at Alton and International Moving and Storage in Ovens, Alcon on the Model Farm Road, St. Francis Unit at St. Mary's Health Campus in Grona Braher, the Heart and Vascular Department listen every single day, unique fit out in Glanmire, day services at Glanmire, GRP Roofing in Trummore Road, Barry Joyce Cole, at the tip top of Fair Hill, everybody working at Middleton's Tesco store. Uh, morning to Brendan and the staff, Murview Laboratories, and just a few more. DC's Pharmacy on Shandon Street would share with Walsh's Pharmacy on Shandon Street. Morning to Holly, a very generous bunch. Mackesy Contracts, Crane Logistics. Um, in Carrick Tool Photo Business Park, a working family of nine that includes our newlywed Paul, who just got married and returned back to work today. Um, he's quite hungry as his new wife doesn't cook anymore. Now that the ring is on the finger, I'm told. <laughs> She's dead right. She's dead right. Share the load. <laughs> 50 50.
Heather House uh, at St Mary's Health Campus, Dublin Health Providers, Paul, it's Murphy Kappa and all the staff at Northside Tires in the Old Mallow Road. Now, I'll do one more shout out at about uh, 20 minutes to midday. So text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. Right, um, now I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on whether or not all players, all kids should get a game. Here's actually, Kevin, jump in on this if you want, but I just want to read out another email on it. Uh, don't give up my details. I'm a mum of a child playing underage sport and and playing with various clubs. I feel that all children in team sports should be given equal play until the end of primary school. These are the years to nurture children and sport has so many benefits and it is not about just winning. My personal experience as a parent has seen children leave sport and being left on the bench and have resulted in tears, sleepless nights and friendships destroyed. I've seen it too many times whereby the better players get ball time just for the win. I'm the mum of the better player and it's caused me many a headache whereby I've been insulted on the sideline. On many occasions, I've wished my child was taken off to allow another child a chance to play and be proud of themselves and show their parents their skills as well. I've experienced the wins this season, however. I've also seen the tears of the players who didn't get to play. Being on the sideline, I've been reminded my child got a full game by other parents. I've spoken to my child after the game and highlighted the children who didn't play. The attitude from him is, we want to win. I feel this ethos in the modern game needs changing. To the children who didn't receive game time this season, don't give up. I hope to see my child on the bench next season and another child allowed the chance to play and be appreciated by their club. Team sports creates friends for life. I think it's quite interesting that she gets abuse, because it is a woman, from other parents because her child gets to play the full game. Yeah, I never, I never can understand the sideline abuse from parents and I've experienced it in matches Alan where... Alan Kelly said everybody thinks they got the next Maradona. Absolutely. And like, I remember even playing a Shkina Shkull match back in the day where a parent stormed onto the pitch and squared up to our teacher who was refereeing. And Why? we were primary school kids because he was unhappy with how he was refereeing the game and yada yada. I think we were winning like 7-24 to no score at that point. So it was really largely irrelevant but this guy but should all kids get a game yes when, no it's competitive they're yeah, in a league but you they want to win the league there's 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 different levels of competitiveness like you you know me right I, I'm still play competitive football I have a dodgy left knee I have a dodgy back I'm walking around with half a hamstring but I still play like I'm not the greatest player in the world I was never really playing at an elite level but I just I love playing football I love the game and, there, and like you can play competitively without having you know at your you can find your own level I mean does there's B teams there's C teams you know we were talking about rugby I was on the Christians D team you know the D, the D team all stars so if, if you got the A's B's C's and D's there, there's enough playtime for everybody but you see everybody's competitive but then why are people saying that their kids aren't getting a game because there aren't enough you're talking about trying to fill 11 aside teams and you can't get 22 young guys to fill the two teams there, I think at a certain point you need to the leagues need to think right there are guys who are going to be A team players they're going to be playing Premier Division 1 Division 2 they're going to be really the real competitive guys why not bring it down to 7 aside why not do blitzes especially at primary <sighs> level so that everybody gets a game I mean I'd I go up Avondale Park uh, or I'm walking the dog and I see kids and they're, they're 5 or 6 and there's about 8 or 9 games going on small side of games kids yeah, are swapping yeah but when it comes out. to competitive games then it changes doesn't it when you're playing have an, in a league we have an underage national league that begins at under 13 
So if you're good enough at that stage, and if you're an 11 year old, 12 year old, and you're really strong, you re- your ambition should be to play for Cork City and and go up to that level and play National League, and that's where it starts to get really competitive. Okay, so when it starts to competitive, get competitive, is that the time when kids who aren't good enough should just decide, okay? this isn't for me or should they also get the point is should all kids get gay time, game time like for instance that we kind of live in a world now where many people feel that everyone's a winner but they're not like no. there's always going to be winners and losers like some people feel that everybody should get a medal like yeah. no you shouldn't no. there should be three medals <laughs> yeah no, I, silver and bronze I agree with you but I, I think when you get to like that stage there, there's a definitely an onus on the bigger clubs to provide teams you know, there, there should be, you should be able to find your level. I mean, in this case, unfortunately, it looks like the club just doesn't have the numbers. But in that case, then there should be some sort of agreement made between two clubs that don't have enough numbers to amalgamate and feel an amalgamated team for the... the well, this the, club the told the kids on the second team, go away and find another club. That's just not good have... enough. Like, that that for me isn't good enough. Okay. The club there should be saying, look, we know we don't have enough players. If anybody knows other clubs or if you're able to give us a dig out in terms of other clubs, what we'll do in the meantime is we'll run blitzes, we'll run small all side of games that. with okay. a local team Finally. and then we can amalgamate. Finally, are coaches then and selectors too competitive? De- at underage level, some of them definitely. And is that definitely. why kids aren't getting Because ultimately the idea of playing sport when you're when you're a kid is to enjoy. When you get to an adult then you'll find a level that suits you. There's guys that go drinking on a Saturday night and play hungover on a Sunday morning and that's a very different level to the Munster Senior League where guys are you know, they're training three or four times right. a week and they're okay. pushing on to be League of Ireland players. But ultimately there should be something for you. Okay, Always. I hear tell that Roy Keane is in Cork because he was uh, very kind to a bunch of kids that he met at Cork Airport last night. I don't have a number for Roy Keane, but you never know. He might be listening. He might know somebody who, somebody might know him and tell him, get on the air. It'd be great to get his point of view on this, Definitely. having started a Mayfield but just himself. to say, Neil, like, you know, there's, there's a couple of football players, like like Jamie Vardy is the example, guy who's banged in loads of goals in the Premier League. Like, he didn't start playing with Leicester until he was 27 in the Premier League. Do you know, like, not all players are going to be super at the age of 15 they're going to play no, it's like, not about that though it's about getting a game it's, it's a, about getting it's a game about, but if Jamie Vardy was kicked out of the team at 15 we never would have gone on to score whatever however amount of, many amount of goals that's true and we heard the same about Roy Keane this you morning know. we heard the same about uh, about Dennis Irwin oh, yeah. pick up the phone 0818 106 morning Graham. morning how are you getting on thanks for holding jump in on the conversation um, look uh, echoing what most people say but generally speaking when I was a kid I sucked I was absolutely terrible at soccer um, yeah uh, most things but uh, specifically <laughs> when we're on topic yes uh, I would say I had two left feet but I'm actually left footed uh, so I had two right feet um, but most of my friends were quite good I joined the same te- uh, teams as them and I was I'd come on as subs and all that kind of stuff but I mean I was the kind of kid inside in school I'd be getting last picked or team arguing about who has to take me kind of. yeah I know that uh, yeah we've all uh, been there it wasn't great for the old ego, but being honest, um, from about 12, that was the case all the way through primary school. And towards the end of primary school, I, was just, I just wanted to be good. I knew I was never going to be professional or league around or anything like that. I, just wa- I wanted to be better than my friends, basically. I wasn't having it that they were going to be better than me all the time. Yeah. So I just kept working and working and working and working. And occasionally I'd get time on teams and I got better and better and better. I mean, you know, let's say my, school, I, my last year of school, I was captain of the school team. We lost the Munster, uh, Munster final. Um, I played for Tremor Athletic from when I was 
14 up until uh, up until senior and up until I realised look I needed more commitment to if I wanted to stay at that level but I was that level Yeah. but I never would have got anywhere near that if I wasn't given the opportunity Yeah but you weren't put on as a weak player you had to improve yourself Did you, you didn't get game time as a kid I was given game I was given game time I was Oh when you I, were when I, okay. when I, Yeah when I, when I was well I starting all the time no of course not I wasn't good enough but I was given game time I was given the opportunity and other than that I am as I got bigger, and like I'm, not, I'm not a small guy, like, but you know, at, when I started, I was very, very small. It was easy to bully off the ball. That changed. I got bigger. I got stronger. I was fitter. I, basically, I knew I was never going to be more skilled than the other player. So I learned, okay, how can I be as good as I can? All right, I'm going to be stronger than them. I'm going to be faster than them. I'm yeah. going to run harder than them. Yeah. I'm going to be fitter than them. I'm going to be more aggressive than yeah. them. And now over, over time, with getting game time, my skill came on. Like I said, I'm never going to be Roy Keane or next door near. Yeah. Um, but I was go- I was good enough to play at a decent level. So it's an example of be- so skills. you were given a chance then not to start yeah. all of the time, but to come on from time to time and got and yeah, I, got better yourself. If you had never been given that chance and you'd walked away. None of that would have happened. Yeah. Exactly because I I mean I was playing with my friends all the time, but playing with your friends, much as it's fun and that kind of stuff, it's not the same as playing as a competitive game, kitted out eleven against eleven. Red, it's not the same kind of football. And you know when you're playing against your mates, you know you know who you know who you can go past with ease. You know who you can't. You know who's going to go past you. You know who's not. And again, it's there's mm. the same kind of buzz in that kind of game mm. as your mates. And mm. um, so the fact that I was given those chances, the reason I got better. Mm. Do you do you think that every child then should get an opportunity to play a proper game, even if they're yeah. not great players? That it shouldn't Absolutely. be competitive, and that coaches shouldn't be chasing medals, or clubs Look, shouldn't be chasing medals. You can chase them to a degree, but not at the expense of the children who you're meant to be there, there for. Okay. And again, we're talking, we're talking about kids. We're not talking about guys in their mid-twenties or guys in their late teens or, or people who are looking off, this is what we want to do as a child, that, you know, our profession, the minuscule percentage that ever get anywhere near that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about 99.9 whatever percent of people will never get anywhere near that. True enough. True so enough. it's about enjoyment and playing the game. It is about physical health it is about French I mean most of the friends I'm friends with now were the same people I was playing football with back then good stuff okay let me get some comments on appreciate it thanks Graham great point sexually just with regards to how this started this morning with the club who told a lot of kids that look we, we haven't got enough of you to field a, a second team you're never going to make the A team so find another club Rockmount AFC got in touch to say can you ask the players parents who are in touch with you to contact Rockmount AFC. We'd love to have that lad up here at Rockmount. And some other texts. Every child should get playing time regardless of their skill. In both my daughter's and son's soccer teams, there is way over the number uh, for one team and they all get played and all enjoy training. Remember, it's not the Champions League, for God's sake. Another one. Every child has different abilities. Every child that tries deserves their time at any match. I'm sick to the teeth of this within clubs. It's supposed to be the best time of your child's life. It's not about the win all the time. Some need to grow up and help and encourage children more. Uh, Another one says, look at what was going on in Irish dancing, for God's sake. It seems it's all about the winning, which is opposite to what I teach my daughter. Uh, Final text. When I was younger, well, final for now. When I was younger, I tried playing hurling a few times. All my buddies were playing, but I was rubbish. And I was told this by the coach. Guess what? I left and joined Rockmount. Played soccer there for a few years while making different friends. I think if the coach was more honest, if coaches were more honest with the kids, they could find a sport activity that they're actually good at and will enjoy it even more. Most of the, another person says, most of the clubs are all the same. It's all about the winning, regardless of how the kids are affected along the way, whilst being left on the bench. 
clubs who behave like this should be ashamed of themselves. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Alison, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are uh, you? I'm interested in your uh, in your experience. Share it with us. Yes. Um, well, I was listening to you this morning. I just it just kind of came to mind that I might just give you a message to let you know about what Glenthorne Celtic um, Football Club have set up. Yeah. Um, they set it up back in last April. Um, I approached them about it, um, getting kids with additional needs involved. So every Friday we go up. Uh, half five, half six for soccer sessions. Um, it's not literally go up and you play, kick a ball or play ball or whatever. It's all fun activities it's, as well. It sounds to me as if it's very inclusive. It's very inclusive. Um, now, my own son is autistic also and he, he kicked the ball for his first time uh, two months ago. So it's absolutely amazing how much the kids are enjoying it, yeah. uh, having fun. Yeah. Um, we got... Uh, DJ up, we had events, we had Animal Road show up, you know, making it fun and also learning, you know. I know, um, I know. And whose idea was it? Parents came together and asked Glenthorne or did they do it themselves? Uh, myself, I, I approached the committee at Glenthorne Celtic and they, they they just accepted it with open arms, they're absolutely brilliant. Um, and they gave, gave us a pitch above up in St. Aidan's. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic for the kids to get involved, um, which, you know, there's not much around for, for kids with additional needs um, to do outside of school. Long may it continue, and it would be good to see other clubs doing likewise, wouldn't it? It would, of course. It would, of course. Like, what, what Glenthorne also done for us has got a new kit, new jerseys, um, a whole kit for them. You know, um, we've we done a medal ceremony there a few weeks ago. Um, with uh, Gerald McCarthy to thank him. He gave us the medals for the kids. Fair play to um, So it was absolutely fantastic. And it was our first season. So we had to kind of call it a day there last week over the weather and stuff because we couldn't source the hall. Yeah. Um, to go inside for the winter. So I'm looking around to get a hall. So hopefully <laughs> that will come up. Well, you never know who might so. be listening, might want to jump in and offer you one. Let's see if that can happen. That was fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for that. Absolutely. Delighted to hear it. And well done to Glentorn Celtic as well. Thanks, Alison. Uh, by text, it's the same when my son was younger. Fathers were on teams coaching the teams and that made it worse. Fathers coaching teams that their sons were playing on. It, had tra- it transferred into the school playground for a while. Seeing the hurt in my child's eyes was so hard because he was too young to understand why he wasn't getting a game. He never looked back, though, in other activities. But it put him off sport after that. You'd think every child deserves encouragement and coaching and not just the special few. Uh, Sometimes being on the bench will encourage them to try even harder for a starting position. It's a competitive game at every age. So yes, the so-called weaker players will always receive less playing time, which is very unfortunate for that child. Most clubs do give everyone a run out, but not all clubs. It sucks, but that's the way it is to be in local clubs or big premier leagues. They're both the same. I suppose it's an example of life, really, isn't it? Sometimes it just sucks. For kids to succeed in life, they need to learn that everything is not going to go their way. I know we never want to see our kids disappointed, but if they're not good at something, don't tell them that they are. Tell them to find something they're good at and succeed in that. Mental health issues are not being are not about being told you're not good at something, and I'm sick of seeing this everywhere now. Stop wrapping kids in cotton wool. They need to feel disappointment before they ever will succeed. At 13, um, 
kids might have been playing from the age of maybe five and six. We all know the league starts at 13. And at that stage, it's all about winning. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. Gold winner for Interactive Speech Program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Red FM. And to yesterday's conversation with Father um, Sean Sheehy, he needs to, he needed to have been removed from the air immediately because it was ridiculous, uh, particularly when he spoke about giving a character re- reference or shaking the hands of somebody convicted of sexual assault. At one stage in your conversation, he said, is she really his victim? How dare he? God is supposed to love everyone, no matter their race, sexual orientation or past. How are young people to have faith in religion when this is what's going on? Never mind what they have done in the past themselves. Um, Ask why there are so many sick and dying people in the world if God is so good. Uh, Father Sean is roaring at you. He spoke his teachings in Mass, maybe a bit too passionately. I actually live in Listowel. Now after listening on the air roaring and speaking down and being sarcastic and laughing... uh, I did always feel sorry for the priests and their role in this challenged and changing world. But to be honest... I would no more go into my God's house to listen to this man preach the word of God. Never again. He's wrong on so many levels and should show more compassion and forgiveness rather than forcing his forceful ideas on what we should be doing. My God is love and forgiveness and he will not close doors on me when it's my time to meet him. He should have a good think about himself. Uh, morning, Neil. He judged the victim of sexual assault in, in Listole by asking, was she a victim? Does he not remember it was proven in court of law that she was? Um, That's a reference, actually, that I brought up on air with him yesterday, and he was very unhappy that I brought that reference up, um, because back in 2009, there was a man found the court, before the court, and found guilty, Danny Foley, uh, of sexual assault. Um, And there were character references given to him. He was a, a list old nightclub doorman. Uh, And he was awaiting sentencing at that time in court for the sexual assault. Um, And many people queued up to shake hands with him as well on that day. Unfortunately, the victim of the assault was also in court uh, uh, on the same time and and saw people shaking hands with Danny Foley. And and the back back story to that is that um, the victim of the sexual assault went on then to tell counsellors that she felt that she'd have to leave her hometown, having watched so many people queue up to sympathise with her attacker, uh, Dan Foley. Um, The victim uh, was discovered by a Garda patrol car in a semi-conscious state and naked from the waist down alongside a skip in a car park near the nightclub. And um, originally Foley told the guards that he found her there, but then he later changed his story when it emerged on CCTV footage that he was seen carrying her from the club to the spot. And it was said in court that this man used extreme violence against the victim and then lied about what he'd done and forced her to go through a court case uh, and denigrate her in evidence. Um, so that was the, the, the back the backstory to the actual court case itself. But um, yesterday, um, uh, Father Sheehy got very annoyed with me when I actually brought that up. Well, I, was, I was trying to make the point about humanity or compassion or understanding uh, and this is what he had to say. But then why would you have sh- shook the hand of... Why would you shake the hand of... Why would you shake the hand of Danny... Why would you shake the hand of Danny Foley then when he took a young because, girl's... Because his mother called me to safe. give a character witness of him. And let, let me say this now. You're, you're totally out of line to bring him up. 
because you, you know, here you are. You're so self-righteous and self all the rest of that. Hold on one second. Hold on. No, you're bringing up. I'm talking an issue. about sin. You're, hold on. You're bringing up an issue that has nothing to do with the present issue we're talking about, and I think that is yellow journalism on your part. What, that what? is absolutely disgraceful. What, 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 and what, you talk. You what, talk. What, what hold on. It? You talk about. You talk about love and compassion. What a hypocrite you are. Why, hypocrite. why would you say that? I mean, it, it, you're it, a hypocrite because you bring public. somebody who suffered and whose family suffered into an issue that has nothing to do with them whatsoever. And you talk about compassion. I'm not talking, talking about the victim of a sexual. I'm talking about the victim of a sexual assault, father. I'm talking about you, a man who is extreme you're, violence. Yeah, yeah, by, yeah, by the same sure yes. You're talking about the victim of sexual assault. But, Look, why, would you, many, but, but why would you so, show compassion? I showed I, his mother called me. I knew the, I knew the guy myself, and his mother called me. Would I give a character witness in terms of what I knew about him? I understand and that's that. exactly what I did. I understand that, but you don't talk about his victim. I'm a ta- his victim didn't talk to me. His victim, and you talk about his victim. You know, was it, was this person really his victim? Mm, dear, 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 dear me, uh, and the man fully convicted in court of it. So uh, I don't know there'd be many plaudits for Father Sean saying, was she really a victim? That's the kind of narrative that we don't want to be engaging in at all. It was, as many people said by text, proven in a court of law that she was a victim. Text 0868104106. There's lots more actually on yesterday's topic, but it'll probably be Monday if you have texted. I'll do my level best to get as many on the air as I can. Back after the break. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Somebody sent me a photograph on a beautiful sunny day from Bailnablaw to the commemoration cross for uh, Michael Collins and the killing of Michael Collins at Bailnablaw. And somebody has left a full bottle of unopened red wine at the cross. And I suppose if uh, Michael Collins has a lip for the liquor, he might have a dram. But there it is nonetheless, unopened and untouched for the big fella. Uh, last bunch of shout-outs, Free Food Friday shout-outs, then we'll pick a winner in a few minutes' time. This will feed at least 15 of you, starters, main courses and desserts. So good morning to everybody at Cormac O'Connor Butchers in Mayfield, Liam Horgan's Garage and Kerry Pike, everybody at Bespoke Wedding Ceremonies um, and uh, the staff at Kelly Window Cleaning, Mox Bar on Bandon Road, DCN Developments in Glanmire, the Accounts Department at Easy Living Interiors, Joe Crowley Oils in, in Shannon, Brefney Nesbitt's Catering, the Vodafone Shop in Mallow, National Seaways, Tea Shupa by Harry Berry Baby Clothing down in Little Island, um, and everybody at Absolute Property Management as well. So we'll pick a winner for Free Food Friday in about 10 minutes' time. But I want to just take a little bit of time now to talk turkey, because I was telling you earlier in the week about avian flu being found in a swan, and that's got everybody panicked. And there's also a lot of talk about avian flu all over the world and wild bird species being in trouble, gannets in particular. Somebody mentioned to me down Port McGeeway, puffins as well. But how will that impact on turkeys? Because the red tops keep on telling us that there could be a shortage of turkeys this Christmas because of avian flu and indeed trying to do the right thing to keep all wild birds and indeed uh, those in in breeding as well uh, safe. But, you know, how serious is this? Robbie Fitzsimmons is a turkey farmer down at East Cork Poultry. I also have Tim Mulcahy, Poultry in Motion and the Chicken Inn. So good morning to both of you. You first, Robbie. How how seriously should we be taking this? Um, We don't think it's very serious. I suppose... 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. How many Sorry. How many are you breeding and feeding now for the Christmas season? Well, look, we do about about six and a half, seven thousand turkeys for Christmas. My God. But there's a, um, look, there's a lot of work goes into producing turkeys as well, you know. Like I said to somebody yesterday, and they were quite amazed that when you were planning your bank holiday Monday, August bank holiday Monday, we were at home with day old turkeys. They don't just appear on no. the table, you know. There's a lot of work and a lot of effort goes into it. Yeah. This year of all years, outside of the avian flu, I suppose, look, we have a lot of, we have a lot of, of problems that have be, become big problems because the costs have risen so sharply, so quickly. I understand all of that, the challenges that businesses have. But you were telling the lads that, and I hope it doesn't happen, that you have a fear that you would have to cull the entire flock. Talk to me about that. Well, I think, look, if, God forbid, if we got into a flock of turkeys like we'd have, we have them spread out in different farms, but at home here, we have a couple of thousand free-range turkeys that are now in, in locked out, they're locked in and nobody's loaded into them. And I go in and after dark when the wild birds of, say, that are around the, the yard and here and there, when they're all gone home to bed and sleep, we go in when it's well dark at eight or nine o'clock at night to bed them, feed them, make sure everything is perfect. Yeah. Because we're naturally afraid that we could take avian flu from outside into the turkey. So the turkeys can't ramble about free range for fear of interacting with wild birds or water that wild birds might have been on where avian flu can also live. Yeah, 100%. And we have to take all precautions to make sure we don't destroy our house of turkeys and we have to wash our boots, disinfect them. We've disinfected them. We've lime at the doors. Every precaution we can take, keeping the place clean and tidy. As I say, any, any precaution we can take, we're taking right now because there's a lot of effort has gone into the trucking. <sighs> but how, I mean, you, must be very stre- you must be very stressed about it, though, mentally. Oh, listen, it's, we, look, I said, said this as well also lately to somebody. My great-grandmother hatched turkeys with oil-fired incubators. My late mother reared turkeys. We took them to the marts. We hung them on the bars, killed them, plucked that time. We didn't become farmers. It's bred into us. Yeah. We love what we do. Yeah. We're passionate about what we do. And it's, it's 100% it's very stressful. I can well imagine. investment also, a huge investment gone into rearing turkeys. And as I said, the uplift in, in the price of deals to feed, to gas, to fuel. It's a huge threat to our business because the stakes are getting higher. And God forbid, if it did get in, we'd be decimated. What is the rule if, if one turkey tested positive for avian in the six and a half thousand? Would you have to call all of them then? Yeah, I think, I suppose, look, our knowledge to date in, in turkeys of all species, when you'll find one, we've a couple of thousand fairness turkeys in one shed here. God forbid if one got it the next morning, 800 of them will have it. And in probably before the department or our vet threatened come, it'll probably be curtains from Orson. Oh it my literally God. is a wipeout once it gets them. Yeah. This is what has happened in the UK, happened in, in, our, in the north last year. It's literally, it's a wipeout. It's instantaneous, 24, 48 hours. So that would ruin it's the very, business. It's that, very hard that, on, on turkey then. But that, you'd never recover from that, you wouldn't. I mean, I know it's also the, the oh, whole no. cruelty aspect to the poor turkeys. I understand that. Yeah. But, but yeah, that yeah. would be the end of you, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it'll be decimation, God forbid, because, as I said, the stakes have got so high, the, the cost for Turkey has increased so greatly, even in the last two years. The, the amount of money tied up in a couple of thousand free turkeys is so great now, if anything went wrong. 
we'll be wiped out generations of, of building a business doing what we do it'll be just we'll be wiped out so right now you're surgically careful like really um, you're, the sanitation oh, levels are through the roof the lockdown Parkin everything protection Parkin. levels yeah 100% and we, we, as if we can take every precaution but we live in you know in a farm it's yeah. a farm there's wild birds here it, they are around it's in, it is around there's no point in saying otherwise it's on the coastline. I'm living in East Ferry um, um, between ponds for migratory birds now that are starting to to come. So I'm in a vulnerable place along the estuary in East Ferry. Yeah. So I'm in a vulnerable part of the country for wild birds anyway. Yes, yes. And are you Which hearing any stories Are you hearing any stories of avian flu within different wild bird species? I mentioned gannets a while ago and the swan that was found. No, I haven't heard of anything else, but somebody had said to me that they were walking on one of the local beaches a month or six weeks ago and they'd seen gannets. And I was talking to a fisherman and he said that it's really, there's a lot of, of gannets with it and a lot of them were seen sick and a lot of dead birds. But once humans, uh, once us human beings don't pick them up and move them or transport them when they're sick, we could be making the, the problem worse. Yeah, I know, I know. I and know. I think that's a massive point we need to make. Yeah. And the other point for me is that um, you know, we've lots of small numbers of backyard poultry. And it's massively important that the backyard poultry people really take heed of what they're being told. Because, God forbid, you lost your 12 hens or your 15 hens. Well, it'd be a lot more serious for us to lose a couple of thousand turkeys. Six and a half thousand of them. Let Tim, Tim Mulcahy jump in from the chicken in. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Do you, do, you, do you expect a shortage this year, or you just said fingers crossed and hope for the best, or what? Well, I suppose like we we would have a we would have a long term relationship. They were Robbie next year. Um, we've been dealing with Robbie now for a number of years, so we take a lot of guidance from Robbie. Um, is he your supplier? Is he one of your suppliers, Tim? He's, he's one of our suppliers. Yeah, we started with geese for Robbie for about twenty years ago. I'd say. And we moved on to turkeys there a couple of years ago. And how many, uh, without giving away trade secrets, how many turkeys of all sorts of sizes would you sell the run up to Christmas? Yeah, we'd, we'd, have, a, we'd have one or two RIs. We'd, we'd sell a few RIs. Um, <laughs> but I suppose, like, I suppose, um, with, uh, coming at it from Robbie's perspective, like, it is, it is tough out there now on, the, on Robbie and, uh, and the legs. Um, and I suppose over the last couple of years with the pressure, particularly since last January, the pressure coming on local producers. Um, like from our point of view, we've always held our local producer. We've always dealt in Ireland. We've always bought in Ireland. But do you not think that my people might be inclined not to buy at all, never mind buying local or Irish, when they hear of birds with flu or the potential that they might buy uh, a, a turkey that might have it? Well, I don't, I don't think so, Neil. I think down through the years, the turkey has always come out trumps at Christmas. Um, and I, I think it would take something catastrophic for, for there not to be a turkey on the table at Christmas. Okay, okay. And, um, and tell me, why are, why are you finding that families are looking for smaller turkeys? Um, they're looking for, I suppose, there's less, less people around the table, Neil. Um, and I suppose they're only looking at it for one sitting. I suppose traditionally people would try and get seeds the day, maybe the day after, out of the, the turkey. Um, I think they're changing up now and they're going for different meats, seeds the day and the day after. Um, so I think that's why that's why there's uh, 
there's a reduction on, or there's an increase in people looking for a smaller size turkey. I don't know no, why that is, because I, I love the price. turkey at Christmas dinner, but I love it even more for the sandwich that night. It's just with oh, the, yeah. you know, the stuffing yeah. sandwich. I don't know about you, Robbie, you know, the turkey with the stuffing and with oh, the cranberry yeah, yeah. and a bit of ham in there, fresh bread. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Like some people say to us, would we look at a turkey after after looking at them the whole from August on, you know? Yeah. And uh, I like getting up early on Christmas morning and I'm, I'm a bee farmer as well to my sins, but um, I like putting on the turkey and I, it's one of my great passions really is cooking a turkey on Christmas Day and as you say, getting a bit of stuffing there at 8 or 9 o'clock on that's Christmas Day. And, and a bit of cold turkey there after. It's hard to be talking, Tim is right. And it's it's great to hear Tim on with you there. We have a very long standing relationship with Tim and lots more like him, you know. And I suppose that's what keeps us going as well is, is the relationship with people and, and, and places. And, you know, it, it's heartwarming to get the opportunity to talk about what we do and make people aware that what we do is, is important to the local community and yeah. it's important to local business like Tim. And that's what keeps us going, you know. Good stuff. And you're, okay, so it's a delicate time. It's an important time. Fingers crossed sure that all be that, well yeah. for you, Robbie. Look after yourself. Yeah, and look listen, after please, the flock. God, yeah. Listen, we've escaped this long and, and we, keep the, we keep all our uh, fingers and toes and everything crossed and, and we do what we do well. And, and please, God, it'll all, it'll all work out fine and, and we'll be chatting. Please, God, again this time next year. I hope so. I look forward to it. We'll chat again this side of Christmas and all will be well. Thanks for now, Robbie. Cheers. Tim, so you're good to go. So with the turkeys, the hams, the spiced beef and everything else, yeah? We're good to go and it'll be all um, Irish hams. Spiced beef will be local, all spiced locally. And uh, we're good to go with all that. All right, my man. Good luck Um, to you in regards to you all down there. Just Neil, it's more of a sad news there this morning. So Michael Bresnan, the butcher in the market, Passed away yesterday evening. Oh. Um, so oh. uh, no, he wasn't well. I knew he wasn't well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just want to pay our respects to a great butchering family in the city um, and the extended president family. Well said, well said, Tim. Well said. Thank you for that. Sad news. Tim Mulcahy at Tim Mulcahy at the Chicken Inn. Just with regards to Christmas, I don't have time this morning, but I had wanted to talk about Christmas cakes and Christmas cake recipes. I know a lot of you might have already started. Others don't buy it all, don't bake it all. They just buy them in. But if you're interested in um, making, uh, and I'd also love to hear your tips and secrets and things that you put into the Christmas cake, but that will be next week because uh, I don't have time for it this morning. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Staying in the spirit of it, I mentioned earlier on the Glow Mix return to uh, the Grand Parade, which is great with the big Ferris wheel. And of course, the lights will be switched on on some day uh, in the third week of November. But you don't have to wait that long for something that's quite Christmassy because today is the day that uh, the Alpine Skate Trail uh, opens. It's 500 square metres of ice rink. And Last year, well, why should I be telling you? Bill Kremen is the managing director of Cool Running Events. He's the man behind Alpine Skate Trail. Joins me by phone briefly. Bill, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good, my man. Delighted that we're kind of back to some kind of reasonable normality. Last year was incredible for you, though. How many people skating? We had a hundred, over 100,000 people, um, Neil, down to photo last year. Um, probably the most successful ice rink in Ireland or the UK ever. Isn't it amazing? People desperate to get out and enjoy themselves as well last year. Expecting the I, same this year? We're expecting even more this year because what we've done this year is we've, uh, and thank God we have, we've put it all under um, cover this year with uh, probably Ireland's largest uh, temporary structure. So the Alpine Skate Trail and the ice rink, it's over a thousand square metres, is actually all going to be contained within two massive tents. 
But uh, you, you must have to deck the tents out to make it interesting because it's a trail. Like it, you, you must try and replicate the outdoors, indoors, is it? We've got more Christmas trees down in the Alpine Skate Trail this year, Neil, than uh, up in Lapland. It's, it's, it's amazing. My wife is down there for the last week and she's exhausted from it. And that's why you see, if she sees, no, we, we probably won't even put up a Christmas tree at home ourselves this year because they're fixed on our minds so much. You're throwing the kitchen sink and your own yeah. Christmas tree at the Yeah. <laughs> at the no, in, 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 in seriously, no, I mean, like we've done all that. But the big message for us in the Alpine Skate Trail this year, Neil, is sustainability. And what we've done is we've, uh, we're using essentially vegetable oil from KC's to power the generators this year. Now, jokes aside, there'd be a lovely smell of chips down there, but in reality, right, we've reduced our emissions by over 90% using a fuel called HVO this year, which is completely sustainable. So Everybody we listening will want that. You know, they want, they want chippers' second-hand oil to light and fuel their homes. I, well, I'm telling you, you know, and uh, I mean, we laugh about it, but it's so important this year, and that's what we're doing with all of our events around Ireland this year. Uh, HVO is the new diesel, uh, no emissions, and well 90% reduction. Okay, so. well done. So if people want a book for the Alpine Skate Trail that opens today, how can they do it? iSkating.ie Neil same as usual um, book uh, book today you know, because they're really booking out we were actually sold out last year so the message is book early and be guaranteed your slot well done listen I'm delighted for you great day for the parish well done Bill Kremen at Alpine Skate Trail opens today and we have a family pass to give away right now this is for a family of four pick up the phone on 0818104106 Izzy Show Busy or should, should be known as Izzy Match Busy or indeed Ireland's answer to Silla Black joins me by phone as well Izzy good morning Morning. Was it really May when we last spoke about the last um, easy match busy night you had? Last May? Yes, I think it was last May anyway. That's when we had our first live in-person one for sure. And the next one happens on the 25th of the month uh, in Reardon's, isn't it? Yeah, so it's in Reardon's. It's in their new area called Le Cabaret. Le Cabaret. Friday the 25th of November and I'm very excited to be back. Okay, so singletons please. Um, uh, over 18s, please come to get matched up with the loved one, have fun, entertainment as well. Is that the case? Well, how will it work? Yeah, so the thing is, right, what's kind of unique about Izzy Match Busy is we're not necessarily matching you up. It's not speed dating or anything like that. It's like, come, have fun, watch the show. I have a special guest. He's a friend of mine, Marty Gilfoyle. Um, and we're going to have new contestants. So you're basically popping up on stage and you're chatting about yourself to me for five minutes. We have an audience of people. It's going to be a great fun night. There'll be an after party. And it's just kind of to get people together to mingle. Ah, like, yeah. The after, parties where, the after parties where they'll mingle <laughs> and possibly hook up. Ah, I see. Exactly. And so what I wanted to say to you as well, Neil, is like, I need the fellas, right? Because as you know, <laughs> the girls are mad for these things. And they like, we put tickets on sale last night. All the girls are after signing up to it. We obviously do have men that are signed up already, and I do have male contestants already booked in. But I need more fellas. What's the problem with fellas? Are they shy or embarrassed or what? Because women are up for these kind of things more often. Oh, women are so good. Like, every time you put tickets on sale for these things, it's all women coming in straight away. The guys are a little bit slower, so I think that they need to come in packs. Do you know that kind of way? <laughs> so I wonder if they're like... Swimming clubs, GAA players, rugby players. The girls would go mad, Neil, right? 
if I got a fella in uniform. I don't know if you can help me with that. But if you need to drop a, a you need uniform, to drop a flyer in Tanglesey Street Garda Station, then go to Toka Garda Station, then go to Collins's Barracks where the army uniforms are. Let the men take off their macho heads and get involved. Yes, exactly. So if, if there is guys out there, now there's tickets on sale for both men and women still left, but if they're looking for it, it's on Eventbrite, but you can find the link on my Instagram. It's Izzy underscore Showbizzy. It's where you'll find all of the details. The link is in my bio, but I think I'm going to go and drop some leaflets into all the guard stations. I think it's a great idea, Neil. I could be here for the next half hour talking to you about why women are attracted to men in uniforms. I just don't know. <laughs> any, kind, any kind of a uniform, is it like... A, tes- a Tesco oh uniform. Oh my God, yeah, it could be a Tesco uniform, an army guy. Like, actually, where I am at the moment, I'm in the city centre here and I'm looking at some construction fellas. Now oh, I forgot the construction I workers. Yeah, yeah. You know, any kind of guy in uniform. <laughs> oh my God, we'll pick up on that conversation maybe at a later date. So, get involved. Find you on Instagram. Tickets are 12 euro and they're also available at eventbrite.ie, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Find all the information on my Instagram. As I said, it's Izzy underscore Showbizzy. And we'd love to see you there. Neil, it, you know, wing women and wing men can come as well. So you can come and enjoy the show, you know, even if you're taken. No matter at all. <laughs> all right. All welcome. Look after yourself, Izzy. Izzy Match Busy. Check it out and pencil it into your diary, Le Cabaret in Reardon's on Friday the 25th of November. Last bit of business for the day that's in it. Free food Friday and everything else I'll come back to on Monday, I promise you that. And we also have tickets to give away from the Nutcracker incidentally, so get dialing for those as well. These are for tonight's show at the Opera House for the Nutcracker. Lines are open for that on 0818 104 106. A pair of tickets for tonight's performance. Uh, so do get in touch and the lads will explain the pickup to you. But Free Food Friday winners for this week are Altonan International Moving and Storage and Ovens. Boy, I've seen them texting for an age. So, it'll feed at least 15 of them, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. But let's find out whether they can give us a good enough shout out to win. Kim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Ah, you've been texting for an age. I'm delighted for you. How many of you are there? There's 12 in total, but we have three here in the office at the moment. The lads should be back here probably in the next hour or so. Well, they'll come back to be fed anyway, right? All the vans and trucks will be back sharpish, I would say. You you know they will, definitely. All right. The only problem (laughs) with this is I don't know if you can make enough noise with just three of you to win. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll All right. go crack. Okay, well, sell me on it. Prove me wrong. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> Big shout out from Altonen. <laughs> that will do nicely, Kim. Thank you so much. Well done. Enjoy. Thank you. Thanks a million, Neil. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Have a great Thanks. lunch. Courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. And have a great weekend. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.